This is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to another edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily for a Thursday afternoon in uh, chilly early February. Chilly might be underselling how damn cold it is right now, but uh, keep it with us. We'll uh, try and warm it up for the next couple hours here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. What's going on? Andrew Patterson with you, along with the CTO, Michael Remus. And uh, we've got an awesome show coming up. I am really fired up. Um, we, of course, will touch on the Jets at the All-Star break. Mike McIntyre with a very interesting piece on Mark Shifley uh, discussing many of the topics we've been kicking around here on the program with a number of guests. So Mike will be with us uh, coming up. Uh, the second guest on the program. First up, though, Showtime Sheed, Rashid Bailey, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, inked an extension with the club yesterday, and he will join us coming up in just a few minutes here on WST. Cannot wait to have Rashid on. Talk about the Grey Cup win. Talk about re-signing here with Winnipeg, um, his experience as a member of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, and uh, find out what he's up to away from football and over the offseason. We'll get to all of that, and then after we talk Jets with Mike, we're going to get to the number one story on the program today. That is Canada getting ready to go to the World Cup. Another big win last night on the road in El Salvador. And what a treat it will be to welcome in our good friend and former Valor FC head coach, Rob Gale to discuss Canada's men's national team and uh, where they're at top of the table in World Cup qualifying with just three games to go and all but assured of our country's first spot in the World Cup since 1986. So uh, lots to get to today. <clears throat> Should be a lot of fun. Welcome everyone that's with us live on YouTube. And for those of you listening on the podcast, thanks so much for making us a part of your day. Uh, if you do have the opportunity, do us a favor, give us a five-star rating and a review at Apple Podcasts or Spotify when you have the opportunity. And of course, for everyone that's with us on YouTube, do us a favor, hit that thumbs up button. And if you haven't already, make sure you are subscribed. Uh, before we get going with Remus, a big thanks to the uh, supporters of Winnipeg Sports Talk that make this show happen every day. That, of course, is our wonderful family of sponsors, including Little Brown Jug, Princess Auto, Boston Pizza, the Nick and Nicky DQ Group, Canadian Club Whiskey, Cool Bet Canada, Royal Sports, Not Auto Corp, Manitoba Battery, Culligan Water, Vita Health, and F Apparel. Uh, let's get right to it and welcome Michael Remus into the program. Remo, what's good? How are you? I'm feeling great. Yeah, no, uh, no Jets. We're now a soccer show. Uh, I mean, soccer country. Is yeah, so We're now right. a soccer country. Soccer country. That's right. Canada, one step away uh, from the World Cup last night. I had to tune in. Uh, I mean, awesome to see. Uh, how about that goal by Hutchinson? Well, I had to watch it like so many times to figure out. So, like, he drives to the net, but heads the ball off the post, off his leg, then off his back, then like looping up in the air, just past a going in slow. Like, when the ball's going in slow motion as the goalie's like trying to recover to save it, uh, degrading finish there for uh, for Honduras on that goal. But uh, it was awesome to see El Salvador. Sorry, Al Salvador's Honduras, who's playing uh, USA last night yeah, in, in minus 30. Where, where the, goalie, the goalie had to leave the game because he had hypothermia. I don't know if you saw that. <laughs> like, that's why I said should be illegal to play colder than minus, minus 20. But yeah, what a win, Canada against uh, El Salvador yesterday. Okay, listen, 
TB covers Ty Barker um, asking, can someone explain World Cup LOL? I knew nothing about soccer yet. This is what you need to know, folks. Canada has been to the World Cup once. It was in 1986. We didn't even score a goal. And it has been a long, long, depressing run for a Canadian's men's national team for the better part of the last three decades. While our women's team became world contenders two-time Olympic bronze medalist, and then, of course, gold medalist this year. Um, so the women have been doing it for a while, and now our men's team is sort of catching up. Um, you play in CONCACAF, which is uh, basically North America and Central America. Uh, there are eight teams that play in the World Cup qualifiers that go over two years. Uh, there are uh, There's three more games in the window for Canada to qualify. Canada's in first place. The top three teams qualify, and the fourth team um, that is not an automatically in goes and plays the other teams from some other, a, a play in tournament, if you will, with some uh, other teams that just barely missed in the other con conferences. Um, the bottom line is this it's not mathematically official, but it may as well be Canada's going to the World Cup in Qatar with that win last night. Um, you know, any point for Canada, any loss of a point for some of the other teams will make it official. Um, and at the end of November, in Qatar, we're going to be staying up in the middle of the night watching our Canadian men's national team play the best sides in the world. And as we'll talk about with Rob Gale a little bit later on, um, you know, people are noticing around the world. Canada is no longer a laughing stock of international soccer uh, and led by Alfonso Davies and Jonathan David, who, of course, was a big part of last night's game. Davies was unable to play recovering from COVID. Um, this is the most exciting time in the history of the men's program in Canadian soccer. Uh, and then with the World Cup being hosted jointly by Canada in 26, I honestly think that this is the start of a rise to prominence of the Canadian team um, that becomes, you know, a regular conversation of casual sports fans that maybe had never tuned in before. And Remo, I mean, if you don't believe me, just look at the numbers. Um, you know, they got a million people watching that game on Sunday in the middle of the AFC championship game. And I saw the one soccer numbers, over two and a half million people saw that, which also indicates record streaming numbers for the Canadian soccer games, unlike anything we've ever seen in Canadian sports history. Yeah, I just see the 15 minutes ago, our guy Adam Seaborn putting out the ratings. Um, I mean, out drew the primetime Olympics, 572,000 on Sportsnet 1 and Sportsnet and. I mean, for the first half of the game, it wasn't even on regular Sportsnet. It was just on Sportsnet 1 because they were showing uh, Oilers caps, which had less viewers than the soccer game. So the soccer ratings have been, I mean, absolutely uh, astronomical, especially when you, the Sunday one. I mean, massive, even during, like, during yeah. the football, which is the ratings king right now. So people are getting on board with the soccer. So hop on, uh, hop on. Let's have some fun here and count down to the World Cup. It, th this is something that I think is going to be, uh, I mean, it's going to bring the country together. Um, and, and listen, I know we all get fired up for, you know, like when Canada's in the Olympics, and I think of the golden goal by Sidney Crosby of what a massive national moment that was. Um, this is a little different, though, but I also think that it is also so 2022. I mean, the diversity on the team, where the players are from in the country, where some of them came from as children to Canada, um, you know, to start new lives and became soccer stars. The Canadian men's national team is as um, great a representation of our country as maybe we have in sports. 
Um, so I think that it will bring in many more people. And the average fan, uh, listen, I think soccer, the people have been there and wanted to get involved. I know I had been, I'd always been waiting for a reason to get excited about our Canadian men's national team. And you know, when you're looking at the world rankings and they're 110th under, uh, you know, some of these countries you've never heard of, um, you know, hey, we focused on the women because they were awesome and they were winning. And, you know, they were playing the top teams in exciting matches. And of course, we had the World Cup here. Um, but now's the time for the men to get involved. And this is going to be something that, um, you know, certainly we'll be talking about it, but everyone's talking about it coast to coast right now. And um, uh, it's going to be, uh, listen, when it officially happens, um, it'll be a, it'll be big news. But this is just the start. And as I said, if you haven't, like Ty was just asking about it, trust me on this one. We have a team that's very worthwhile watching. Some incredible young stars. And uh, I think there's going to be more and more fans of not just our country and the team, um, but the sport in general. And it's just, um, it's truly one of the great stories of the year. Um, this has sort of been like the last 12 months, sort of the year of soccer. Um, you know, the pandemics hit a number of other sports. But our Canadian women winning the gold medal and now the unprecedented success of this Canadian men's national team. Pretty, pretty good time for uh, for the club. I do want to talk about the goal, though, Remus. You mentioned just how bizarre it was. And folks, if you haven't seen it, you got to go check out a replay. I don't think we were able to play it on YouTube, but um, you'll be able to find it anywhere on, uh, on the net or on Twitter. Um, I had to laugh. Like Dave Lowry, if he was watching the game, would have loved that goal, Remus. It was the quintessential <laughs> Canadian hockey goal. You know what? Like balls on net, balls in deep, go to the net. And, uh, you know, Atiba Hutchinson for the first time, it was like a hockey goal down in the crease, scoring off his ass or off his back and going in. Uh, they don't ask how pretty they are. They just ask if they went over. And uh, that was certainly one of the most bizarre goals ever. But considering how much we've heard Dave Lowry talk about getting to the net, making things difficult for your opponents, um, to me, I just thought it was the most quintessential Canadian goal we could have had. Yeah, I mean, it's mentioned earlier, had to watch it a couple times off the post, like off the leg, off the back, like up in the air, looping slow motion in past a goalie. Uh, I mean, then that was the, that was the game winning goal. That was the first goal. It won two, two mil or is it nil? I got to learn my sock. You got to brush me up on the soccer <laughs> terminology here, but um, yeah, I'm I mean, not a, awesome. I'm not a hardo for the soccer te uh, terminology. No. To so be we honest. call it soccer, not well, football. Yes, we do call it soccer. Yeah. It is called soccer here. Yeah. People that are like the, the soccer snobs, that are like, it's football, it's international football. Guess what? In North America, football is the pigskin, folks. That's why it's called soccer here. Different things are called different things in different countries. Don't worry about it. Um, the bottom line is that people are investing and in getting in on this. So, um, yeah, it doesn't matter if you haven't been with the team for a long time. It doesn't matter if you don't consider yourself a soccer fan. I think you're going to become one if you keep paying attention to this team. So uh, listen, massive win. We're going to talk about it with Rob Gale. Can't wait to do that. Coming up just over an hour uh, on the program. Um, big Blue Bomber news today. And we're going to be talking to Rashid Bailey, who of course was signed yesterday. Uh, but Remo, let's get to this. Johnny Augustine re-signed for two years with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Uh, listen, this is a great signing, um, but one that really did surprise me. I think of all of the free agents that we, you know, that the Bombers had to sign, I think it was sort of assumed that, you know, with Brady Oliveira and Borsa in the mix, and obviously the questions about what's up with Andrew Harris, 
that Johnny Augustine, they might not have the money to re-sign him and there'd be demand for Johnny's services elsewhere in the league. So um, it was great news for Bomber fans when they found out that Johnny Augustine's coming back. Didn't get a lot of playing time this year, but certainly when he did, acquitted himself very well. Um, and another guy, part of that um, you know, stable of stud Canadian running backs that the Bombers have put together, a big, big piece. And certainly with the questions, Marks, about Andrew Harris's future, uh, a big signing for the Bombers. Yeah, I really like Johnny Augustine. Uh, when he came in, I thought that he always... Um, you know, played played pretty well and was able to pick up the slack and they really didn't lose much. I mean, if it was him or Brady. Um, I'm trying to look at, bring up his uh, his rushing numbers here. Yeah, I mean, he had 40 carries, 285 yards, 7.1 average yards per carry. Um, I think that's that's pretty good. And two, That's ridiculous. Yeah, two-year deal. Yes, that's what he said. That is two-year deal. Um, you know, he's had some long runs, long run of 55, so you know you can hit the hole hard and make some big gains. So, I think when you're building the roster, I do think this does perk your ears up a bit. As you mentioned, we thought maybe he would be the odd man out, but is it maybe Andrew Harris who they move on from? I mean, he's getting older. He's expensive. Uh, you have Augustine now locked up for two years. Brady Oliveira, uh, Farhan reported that they're in talks with him. But uh, we have the Farhan report from Farhan Lodge from TSN saying they haven't had any negotiations with Andrew Harrison. Do you want to pay him? the premium dollar that, uh, you know, he's cost you the last couple of years when you have other running backs who are younger, less expensive, and maybe can offer you similar production. I think that's a big question for the Bombers here going forward as they've given a lot of other people, notably uh, Zach Claros, uh, you know, big raisin. How are they going to fit all these guys? Very, you know, very interesting. Yeah, it, it is. Um, I mean, listen, I've said numerous times, I mean, the Andrew Harris free agent signing is one of the most impactful CFL free agent signings ever. Uh, and it is the most impactful free agent signing in the history of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Um, but that was five years ago and things are a little different right now. And the Bombers have, you know, the young Canadian running backs that seem to be ready to, you know, pick up the torch if it is being passed. I'm not sure Andrew Harris is ready to pass the torch though. I mean, we had him on the program. What was it a couple of weeks ago and asked him and, you know, he was pretty clear saying that he still thought that he had some gas in the tank. Um, but again, I mean, there are real salary cap issues that the Bombers are dealing with. Um, and I'll say this about Harris. I mean, the guy's already had a Hall of Fame career. He's been one of the most important players on back-to-back -back Grey Cup championships. He's got other things going on in the city. If he decided that this was the end of his career, he will move on from being a Winnipeg Blue Bomber. He will always be remembered as a football legend in his hometown and I think that he'll have plenty of opportunities whether in or outside of football to continue making an impact and and have a great life but um even at the age and even with the amount of tread on the tires the guy can still play and the guy can still get it done and sometimes it's hard to walk away um uh, but let's get this clip this is Farhan Lalji of TSN uh with a bit of an update on where things are at with the Bombers and Harris and uh, obviously in the aftermath of the Augustine signing Canadian running back Andrew Harris wants to play football again in 2022. The question now becomes, where will he play it? My understanding is there have been no formal contract negotiations between Harris and the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, and no initial contract offer has been tendered. Now, the belief is that some of this may be due to some lingering frustration over how things transpired between Harris and the club a year ago. Coming out of the lost COVID season, Harris was admittedly distracted, and his preparation wasn't necessarily as all-in as it needed to be, and that led to some frustration 
frustration in the building, and there's a belief that it also may have contributed to his injuries that forced him to miss a large portion of last season. So now the organization has a decision to make. Harris will be 35 next year. Do they want to continue going with the future Hall of Famer, or do they want to get younger at the position? Young Canadian running backs Brady Oliveira and Johnny Augustine performed admirably a year ago in Harris's absence. Augustine just agreed to a two-year deal to return to Winnipeg, and the club is actively negotiating with Oliveira, and the belief is they can't have all three back. If both youngsters get signed, there may not be room for Harris. That said, Bombers head coach Mike O'Shea still wants Harris back in the fold, and generally, what O'Shea wants, O'Shea gets. For his part, Harris believes he's done a lot for this organization over the years and simply wants some clarity. He is willing to move on and play elsewhere this coming season, and there will be interest in his services, but will another team be wanting a ratio change at the running back position, and will he be willing to pay somewhere in the neighborhood of the $150,000 that Harris made last season on a prorated salary? One thing is certain, and if you know Harris coming out of the 2015 season when he was discarded by the BC Lions, that scorn proved to be the ultimate ultimate motivation it could happen again this offseason all right there is a uh, report from our good friend Farhan Lalji of TSN on the uh, Andrew Harris situation and, and Farhan makes a great point at the end of that ream Andrew Harris is an incredibly proud guy and and a serious competitor um and you know he came here to prove something and to do something that you know hadn't happened in 30 years in this city and it was a massive part of getting it done and you know, if the Blue Bombers are set on, I'm not saying that they are, but if they are, if they've decided as an organization to say, you know what, I think we're going to go younger, this would be a great time to to hang them up, Andrew. I, he could absolutely decide, oh, I'll go show you, as Farhan mentioned. Um, I mean, to me, the best case scenario would be to find a number that works for Andrew Harris to come in and, you know, have him be you know, a key guy, a leader on the club, but maybe allow more opportunities for Oliveira and Johnny Augustine to play. And, you know, that might be better for all parties involved. Um, bottom line is Andrew Harris has nothing left to prove, but he's still playing at a very high level. And, you know, going into the age 35 year as a professional football running back is incredible on its own. Um, but it would be a shame if, this didn't end with Andrew Harris retiring as a blue bomber, whether it's now by his choice or later on. Um, I have a hard time imagining him in any other uniform other than blue and gold. Yeah, I saw people writing, Chad, could you imagine if he went, or was it you who said it to me before the stream? Could you imagine? It was you who said, uh, could you imagine him playing for the Riders? And there's WST Hollywood Gremlin reading our mind. I think that would be a very difficult thing to watch, but... You know, I think you learn in sports, you know, nothing, nothing's forever. You know, father time hits all, right? And I'm not saying Andrew Harris can't do it anymore. I think we can, we saw that he still contribute. Absolutely. But I think the issue, the big issue is <laughs> that you already have two Canadian running backs who might be able to offer you similar production at a lower cap hit. I mean, can you keep all three? And then you have another uh, young Canadian back in Borsa waiting in the wings. So, I mean, it's nothing... Not no knock on Andrew Harris here, although Farhan did, you know, say that maybe their relationship with him and the organization was fractured because of, you know, preparation and that which may or may not have led to injuries. Um, but I think it's a, I mean, there's a good problem hey, to have the for key the Bombers. Thing in that, yeah. The key thing in that was Osh, was Coach yes, O'Shea. That was. And they say if O'Shea wants a guy back uh, that knows how important he's been to this football team, 
I imagine that, you know, the organization feels the same way. And it's just, you know, about making, you know, getting numbers that work because Kyle Walters has such a tough job right now. He's got a, a locker room full of champions. And with the, the, with the shortness of your professional football careers, no one would blame guys for taking the most money they can get considering how short their career is. Uh, but we've seen it over and over again. These guys want to be bombers. They want to be back. They want to go on another ring run next year. And, um, you know, it'll be very interesting to see what happens with the rest of the running back depth chart with Johnny Augustine getting signed today. Some great news for the bombers. Cannot wait for our next segment. We're going to be talking to Rashid Bailey about his new contract. Just before we do that, a big shout out to our friends over at F Apparel. 190 Smith Street, downtown Winnipeg and Manitoba's leading place for affordable custom-made suits to keep you looking good 12 months a year. Uh, they've got it all. Suits, uh, casual chinos, dress shirts, more accessories, uh, anything you need when it comes to uh, dressing it up a bit. They've got it for you. And their custom-made suits begin at just $3.99. Now, of course, if you've got a wedding coming up this summer, talk to Andrew and the gang over at F Apparel. 15% off for your wedding party when you order a suit, shirt, and tie. Uh, and, of course, if you've got a grad coming up this uh, this year as well, uh, some great deals for high school graduates. You can find out more at fapparel, ephapparel.com, and go visit them at 190 Smith Street downtown. Uh, hey, February is Heart Month, everybody, and Vita Health Fresh Market is the place to go for your heart-healthy supplements and foods along with Winnipeg's best selection of natural and organic supplements, beauty products, and groceries. Uh, you can also get some delicious lunch options when you're popping in and out of Vita Fresh Market. Amazing salads, soup, sandwiches, all ready to go, all incredibly delicious, and all very healthy. And of course, you can join the exclusive Vita VIP list by texting Vita VIP to one 630 1970 and you'll be entered to win a 100 vita health gift card vita health seven winnipeg locations including the newest store in linden ridge and online at myvita.ca and uh, while you're helping your heart there's nothing that can help your overall health more than being hydrated and when you're talking water the water experts in winnipeg and southern manitoba is Culligan, family-owned for 65 years here in the city uh, with everything you need for you and your family or your business. Water softeners, filters, bottled water coolers, whole home systems and drinking water systems, citywide delivery services, as well as commercial and industrial water products and solutions. If you need water, talk to the experts at Culligan, 1200 Sergeant Avenue. Give Keenan the gang a call over there at 204-694-5180 or find out more online at drinkculligan.com. All right, we've already talked a little Blue Bomber football, but I'm incredibly excited to welcome in our next guest. He is a two-time Grey Cup champ, and he's looking to make it three because he's back with the blue and gold. What a pleasure to welcome in Showtime Sheet himself, Rasheed Bailey, to the show. What's up, Rasheed? How are you? What up? Come on, let's go! <laughs> oh man, you're the best. Are you, do you wake up with this much energy every day? I, I mean, mean, is there ever a time I, when you're chill? I'm always. I mean, sometimes I'm chill, but most of the time, you know, I'm the energy in the room. You know, I'm a Leo, so I'm always got to make my presence felt, and um, um, that's just who I am. It's embedded in me, and it's you know, I'm from Philly, so like we always got the energy. So that's what I'm about. 
Um, uh, how are you doing? Are you in Philly right now? Is that where you're, we're getting you at? I am in Philly right now. Yep, I'm home. I'm here. Well, first off, let's talk about the contract. Uh, everyone, all Bomber fans, you just you should have seen the chat yesterday on Winnipeg Sports Talk. People were fired up when the announcement came out that uh, 88 is back with the blue and gold looking for another ring. Uh, how do you feel about the deal, and how did it all come together? Man, 88 is back in the flesh. Showtime sheet is back. I mean, it just feels like it feels right, you know? I'm just like to feel the love, to feel the energy, to feel – you know, the city, like, you know, it's something that I've been building up, you know, throughout the year. And I mean, I'm just excited to be back, you know, like to bring that. I didn't know the impact that I had, you know, I know the impact that I had on the team, but I didn't know the impact that I had on the city. I didn't know that people was really like, man, I I want this dude. So like when I should see like some of the tweets and some of the messages, I'm like, man, like I'm back. Like, let's go. It's no problem. Like at the end of the day, you know, my heart was always set to be, back in Winnipeg, you know, I did, you know, hear some people out and they made it hard, but you know, overall, you know, I'm, I'm back and I'm ready for another run. You know, uh, uh, Rashid, what did you know about Winnipeg and the CFL before you came here? I mean, uh, you know, you were at a smaller college, had a great year. You were undrafted in the national football league, but got a number of opportunities. I mean, training camps and practice squads. And, uh, and then you came to the CFL. How did all that happen? And what did you know about the three down game and about uh, the peg before you came up North? You say, I, I, I really didn't know too much. I didn't really know too much about Winnipeg. I didn't know. I didn't know too much about it. I just knew, you know, it was it was it was some football up there. And the moment I came up here, it was just like, OK, it reminded me of when I first got to got to college. You know, when I, I went to a, I didn't go to a, you know, a big school, a big college. I didn't go to a division one school. I went to a division three school. So for me, I'm used to, you know, certain things. But when I got there, it was just like division three. You don't really hear too much about the division three school. It's the same thing with the CFL. Like, you hear about the CFL, but you never really seen it. You never really saw it or experienced it. So, for me, when I first got to Winnipeg, I was like, oh, these people really love their football. You know what I'm saying? Like, they got the bells, the horns, the the cannons going off when we scoring touchdowns. I'm like, listen, this is a place where I can see myself really being and becoming something. So, like, to be in this position right now, like, it's just like, I'm just so thankful. I'm just so thankful just to be here. God is amazing. And, um... It's just, it's just, it's just a blessing, you know? Well, dude, I got to tell you, I mean, you certainly came at the right time. I mean, coming in in 2019, I mean, I'm sure I don't need to tell you, you knew it had been a long time since this team and this city had won a championship and uh, you're now two for two. So <laughs> that's pretty good. But I it's mean, crazy since winning like the 2019 victory, of course, going into the canceled season was just so special. The party yeah. downtown, yeah. Um, you know, and you hadn't been here for that long, but I'm sure it didn't take you very long to realize how much this team means to this community. And of course, doing what you and your teammates were able to do, the effect that you guys had on fans and uh, really just people walking the streets every day with the W on their uh, hat. I mean, like to hear the history, to know that, the, you know, we haven't won, you know, we haven't won it in a while. And I felt that. Like, I felt that type of energy. It, you know, it reminds me of Philly. You know, like when Philly, you know, they won their championship. They finally got one. And it was – I got that same feel and that same drive when I was in Winnipeg with the fans in Winnipeg. I felt like the city of Winnipeg deserved the championship. They deserved something that was that was recent, not something that was in the past that we don't really remember, but something that we can, we can tell our kids. Man, we have people not wearing pants because of the simple fact that, you know – 
we haven't won a great cup. And 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 I, I haven't really got a chance to really talk too much about it, but like I still I'm sitting here really thinking about it. We just won back to back. Like, you know, we we, we we talk about how hard it was to get one, but we just got two. So it's just like, you know, that's a that's a testament to the to the city. That's a testament to the team. That's a testament to the organization. And um, it's just it's a special thing. And I don't like people are asking, what's the what's the what's the gist? What happened? What's going on in there? To be honest, I'm gonna be honest with you. We just love each other. We're a family. We hold it down and we go to war with each other. You know, it, it, you said it so well, and it's obvious that there's that connection within the bomber locker room from yeah. teammate to teammate with the coaching staff, with the staff, um, yeah. you know, from, you know, from, uh, you know, Carol at the front desk. I mean, yeah. everybody, but I'll say this. I mean, as someone that's uh, on the other side of 40, been watching professional sports my entire life here in the city of Winnipeg, the connection that your team has with this fan base is the most special connection I've ever seen. I mean, it seems like it is so reciprocated on both sides. And, you know, you're a big, big part of that. I, how would you describe it? I mean, the way you guys feed off the energy of the fans. And, hey, you play in a lot of these other stadiums in the Canadian football. You know that it's not like that everywhere else. And it seems like players feel fortunate that they're supported that way. Man, it it it, it goes a long way, man. You, you think about this. Go back to the, the West final game. It is brick cold outside. You can barely see you. You, you know I mean, everything about it. I mean, it's snow on the ground and the place is filled up. And to me, like that is, that's what defines it. You know what I'm saying? Like, how can you not want to play for a city like that? You know what I'm saying? Like, like, like that, that to me, you know, like that's why when we won and we, and, and um, you know, we had like the little parade that we had. I'm coming out there with no shirt on. I, I feel that energy. I have to. These fans out here, you know, standing out here in the freezing cold, you think I'm not going to come out here with my shirt off and give them what they deserve? You know what I'm saying? Like, that's how I felt. So playing for this city and playing with that chip on my shoulder from all the things that I've been through, it's the same thing. That's what that's what Winnipeg represents. You know what I'm saying? A lot of people talk about Winnipeg and and how you're so cold there and nobody wants to go. I do. What's up? And for me, it's just like, you know, it's 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 everything that I represent. And it's just it's just special to be a part of, man. You want to play for a city like that, people who care, and you know, it's just I, I get I get so antsy just talking about it. So it's just, you know, it's a pleasure to be here and, and to be playing for a fan base such as the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Well, Rashid Bailey with us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk, back with a new contract with the Bombers, looking for three in a row. Um, let's talk about the playoffs for a minute. You mentioned that West Final. I mean, uh, we were there, probably most of the people in the chat outside freezing our asses out. It turned into the biggest dance party of all time because you just had to keep moving. I know you guys did the same things on the bench, but uh, the first half was a bit of a disaster. I mean, a very unbomber-like half of football where you turn the football over five times, and yet the defense held you in. You were only down three. Uh, what do you remember about you know the the intermission between the second and third quarter before you guys came out and the way you were able to take over that football game? Like, it describes who we are as a team, who we are as an organization, who we are as a, as a people. Like, we turned the ball over, but we never not once looked at each other and, and knew that it was over. We knew, we knew, even in the Grey Cup, we knew there was nothing that was going to stop us from getting to that ultimate goal. We stuck together. If you pay attention, go look at the details. 
when we're down and the ball's being turned over and things are happening, go look at the sideline. The sideline's not panicking. The quarterback's not panicking. Zach's in there freezing, calling plays, shivering, and we still making plays. Like, like that's the type of people that we are. That's the type of organization and type of team that's being built. And to be honest, you know, it's a, you know, it, it, it's a, it, it's special. You know, just think, like, I remember scoring that first touchdown and hearing how loud it got in there. Like, like that to me is, we're, we're just a resilient team. And uh, we want to keep building off of that momentum and just keep, you know, just keep, continue to keep playing for each other. And uh, just, you know, just keep stacking them up, man. That's what we want to do. And we don't talk about, you know, we always have an ultimate goal in the end to win the Grey Cup. But we're not going to be talking about a three-peat. We, we didn't talk about, you know, winning it back-to-back. We went out there, we handled business, and we did it. We don't we don't just talk a good game. We go out there and we perform. That's what we're about. So, um, you know, it's not a lot of talking. We handle business. Hey, um, well, was there any talking? What, what was it like? Uh, take us inside the huddle in the fourth quarter uh, of the Grey Cup game. I mean, you guys are down double digits. The wind was a big, big part of that game. You yeah. know, okay, we got 15 minutes to make this happen. Yeah. And we got some work to do. And take us into that huddle. Zach Caleros, you guys about um about you know putting the pedal down and uh, and, and doing the job that you guys did with the uh, the entire season on the line. I'm not gonna lie. We just looked at each other and we knew. I mean, I, I can't really put it into words of like Zach, Stan, Darf. Kenny, Dembski, Wally, Yoshi, Mike at the center. Like, we just, we never hesitated. Everything about it was, we're going to go down here and score points. Score points, score points, score points. I came out in the second half, made that big catch. Boom, started us all. Boom, energy, let's go. Everything just was a build off of a build off of a build. Everything was a block that we were just trying to get through. And to be honest, it just... Nothing was going to deny us from winning that championship. You know what I'm saying? You look at the tip pass at the end where I think it was um I forget who came in and knocked that ball uh, knocked the ball down. They had to, and it forced them to kick the field goal. I mean, come on, man! You give us the ball in in in, in, in OT and 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 Darv sealing the deal and, and me putting this exclamation point on it. We knew it was over. You know what I'm saying? It's just like the resilience from all of us, man. We just we just looked each other in the face and we knew. I can't really, you know, explain it in no other context other than we knew. Well, you also knew when it was officially done. I mean, you guys went and put up the six, got the two, and then it was time to, uh, it was closing time for your defense. And this defense, I mean, you'd know it as well as anyone. I mean, historically good. I mean, yeah. Adam Big Hill won the most valuable defensive player in the league. Yeah. Um, and I mean, we talked about it for weeks coming in, how difficult it was just to pick a nominee for the team from the Blue Bombers. But I mean, could you have a more appropriate way to win that ring than a walk-off championship winning interception that three different members of the defense had their hands on the ball before it was done? You know, you, you talk about it and it's like, it's so cliche, man. You talk about, you always hear it, defense win championship, defense win championships. We had the most resilient defense in the league last year. Um, it was one of the key pivotal points and one of the reasons why I decided to come back to Winnipeg. You have a defense like that that's going to keep putting the ball in your hands? Oh, come on. Sign me up any day. Sign me up. If I got a defensive line that's going, you know, force picks and force fumbles and do certain things and – and I got an offensive line that can that can hold it down and, 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 and a trigger man and an exact to, to get the ball to us. 
oh yeah, it's no brainer. Let's go. Let's figure out a way. Let's make the numbers work. Let's do it again. Uh, she, everyone in the chat is just losing it right now. Here, here's a few of the, uh, the, the comps. This guy speaks before he leaving the room. I'm ready to run through a wall after listening to Rashid. Uh, Jed Oil Tom's now actually ready to go shovel the snow. He's so Got inspired to. by what you're Got saying to. right now. You have to, you know? Hey, where, where, does, where does your energy and your intensity come from? Because, I mean, I we, mean, we um, follow you on your, on your socials. I mean, you're, you know, at 7 in the morning, you're yelling at the phone, no. getting ready to go do yeah, it. I mean, it yeah. doesn't seem like there's a there's an off switch on you. I mean, I'll say this, man. I'm from a city of Philadelphia, man. I'm, 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 I was born in the projects. I was born in, into negative situations. And, you know, certain things about me is I always had to be the energy in the room. I was always the positive vibes. I was always... I was always that guy, you know, and I'm, I'm very motivational in everything that I do. Um, I speak a lot. Uh, I, 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 I pride myself on people. I'm just a guy who, who, who's just like everybody else, man, just trying to make a living and trying to earn his respect. That's who I am. I'm not a guy who's trying to get all the attention and try to be, I'm a hardworking, blue-collar, hard nose, lunch pail, hard hat type of dude, you know? And I play for that same kind of city, you know? And and I'm proud to say I'm a blue bomber. I want to make it popular to be in the CFL. We're trying to make it popular to be in the CFL. People know about Winnipeg right now. People keep talking about, we know, where is it? Where is it? And I got to say, here it is on the map. It's in the Midwest, right above Minnesota. I don't got to say that anymore. Go Google it. Go see how many championships we won and go see how we did it. You know, and, you know, that type of person and that type of mentality is embedded in me. I'm surrounded by a great group of people. You know, i got a great support system in my family. You know, this is who I am. I was born this way and I'm walking into what God has, has, has really given me the opportunity and the position to be in. And I'm grateful. Rashid, uh, tell us um... – uh, how'd you celebrate the championship? I mean, both I know you guys had uh, you know had a lot of fun here in Winnipeg, but um, tell us about going back to Philly and um, what what you did to 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 relax, if that's possible for you after uh, after a very tough uh, physical season. Well, I'm going to be honest. I didn't really do too much celebrating because COVID kind of like kind of got in the way of everything. But let's just say it was a. I've spent the last month decompressing. You know, I, I would say um, this past season, you know, a lot of people saw the results of what I've done out there in the football field. And, you know, but last year was really one of the hardest years of my life, you know, and um, I went through a lot last year. Um, I battled through some things, uh, you know, some things I'll be honest with you and I'll be honest with you on here. I got I got robbed in Winnipeg. They broke into the house and took all my stuff. You know what I'm saying? I, I I experienced so many things. My 11-year-old cousin, she she passed away to, to an allergic reaction. My mom had COVID. I almost lost my best friend to COVID during the season, right before the playoffs. I messed my knee up during the season. I was resilient the whole entire year. It was hard. It was so hard. But I put God first. I was in chapel every single week. I've done a number of things to keep myself positive. And I'm not going to lie, after the season, I was so focused during the season to stay focused and to stay positive that when it was all over, I was so overwhelmed. I was so overwhelmed and with joy that, you know, all of it was worth it to hold the trophy again, to be around my family and to be, you know, to see my loved ones and to, it was hard. And to be back home, it's just been like, I'm just trying to 
like I'm, I'm all the compliments that I got during the season and everything like that. It didn't hit me until after. And it was like, whoa, I did that. I, I, I accomplished that. We accomplished that. So, you know, it was tough, but you know, God is, is so good. And I'm just so extremely grateful for this new opportunity to walk into what he continues to put in front of me. And, um, I'm just extremely blessed, you know, and, um, what better place to continue to keep doing it than in Winnipeg? Well, dude, that's a, that's a hell of a perspective because I think this sort of, you know, these few years, no matter what walk of life you've been in, um, uh, yeah. people have been pressed with a ton of adversity and, yeah. and, and, and you to, to have the ability to accept that and to yeah. be thankful yeah. um, and to keep moving forward is, um, yeah. you know, it, it, it's inspiring to be honest. Um, You're back in Philly right now. I mean, what's the off season like for you, Rashid? I mean, uh, so, g- g- give bomber fans what's, what's, uh, what's an average day like now for Showtime sheet uh, so away from the day. Average day for me, I am a big, I'm, I'm big on cooking. Um, I always start my morning off with a big breakfast, all my vitamins, all the stuff that I do. Um, and I'm a part of a gym. You know, I became co-owner, you know, you know, part owner of a gym that, I, that I'm a part of. I teach, you know, I haven't got back in there because I've still been in my decompressed phase. Um, but I've been teaching, I teach classes. You know, I go in and, you know, I motivate these people and I, you know, it's it's I'm, I'm a coach at a. It's it's just it's beautiful because you get to see people's lives change right in front of you. You know, I've had people come in at 300 pounds, 200 something pounds. I can barely get up off the ground, and I've worked with them for four to five, six weeks for you know during that duration, and you can see how much they've changed from this confidence level, this you know you know maturity level, and then they get to this point, and and these aren't just you know just. These are just people who work nine to five jobs and people who do their everyday life. And, you know, having a chance to affect and have an impact on their lives is one of the most beautiful things I've ever been a part of. It was something that I really got into during the pandemic. And, um, you know, I'm continuing that thing right now. We're building it up. We're building the brand up and we're doing some great things. And I can't wait to get back in there. I've been back in there working out and lifting and stuff like that. So people see that I'm back in the building, but I haven't fully started teaching again. So this is. Now that contract's over, everything's done, I'm ready to give all my full attention to the people and give it all back to the kids and stuff like that to get the gym, you know, headed in the right direction. Rashid, what do you do for fun? I mean, uh, you know, that sounds like a lot of that stuff is work, and obviously you love what you do, but, uh, you know, when you're just with your boys or, uh, you know, you uh, got a night off, I mean, uh, what yeah. no, What do you do when you just want to enjoy yourself? Oh, so when I'm, when I'm, when I'm just trying to enjoy myself, I, I do play a lot of Call of Duty. I do play the game a lot, you know, during the last half of the season, I kind of got away from it. So now that I've been back home, I've been nonstop gaming. Like I'm like right here. I got my monitor set up. I got my ring over here. I got my picture right here. And I've just been locked in in this moment right here. And we just talk a lot of trash on the game and just, you know what I'm saying? Just trying to get busy. But I do sometimes go out to eat, you know, do a couple things. Um, I'm looking forward to, you know, probably going on some type of vacation. We'll see. Um, hopefully I get to get get to go out and, and go somewhere and kind of, you know, relive and kind of do some things and enjoy my 20s. I mean, I'm almost out of my 20s, so I got to make sure I live them up. Hey, you mentioned that you're uh, you're really into cooking. What's the uh, what's the number one dish for Chef Sheed? Man, I'm a breakfast dude. I can cook a mean breakfast omelet. I'm talking about full blown pancakes. You know, like, oh, bacon, 
I like to make these little omelets that I make with a lot of veggies in, included. And I make a, a nice little shake in the morning. I feel like for me, breakfast is my go-to. Oatmeal. Um, that's how I always start my day off. Oatmeal and breakfast is like the biggest part of my day. So breakfast is my go-to. You're a Philly guy. I mean, where's uh, where's your stance on the cheesesteak? Uh, are now. you a huge supporter now. of it? And what's the I'll, what's the best? I only go to one place. I only go to Delisandro's. I only that's the only place I go to. And I find it so disrespectful when I go to these different cities and all these different places and it says Philly cheesesteak and I look at it and I laugh because it's not a Philly cheesesteak, you know? So, um, whiz wit or uh, without? No, 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 no. Got to get American cheese. Of course. <laughs> not no. See, that's the tourist way. We don't do the tourist way in Philly. If you are a real Philadelphian and you from the, you from the streets, you know, you don't get no Swiss. You always got to get American. <laughs> oh, Rashid, this has been uh, this has been so much fun. Hey, you mentioned people are asking. You do a lot of Call of Duty. Are you streaming that at all? I mean, you would be the I most actually, entertaining I'm, streamer listen, around. I'm definitely I'm definitely going to start streaming again. I felt like, you know, I, I wasn't really where I needed to be with my game wise, but I think I'm there. I think it's time for me to start streaming again, you know, so I can I can start showing people my talent because I, I really get it in. Well, you better let us know about that. We'll make sure to let everyone else know. We'll pop in and uh, hang out with you when you're playing games. What about Madden? You pull up nah, the sticks I, with no, the boys on Madden? Late, I'm not going to lie. Lately, the only game I've really been playing is Call of Duty. I, I, I stick to one game. I leave the. I used to play Madden in 2K until my eyes used to bleed and my fingers used to hurt. So I, I kind of leave that part of myself alone and I kind of focus on just like to shoot people, you know, like and get away with it, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Rashid, I got to tell you, um, this has been one of the, I mean, I was really looking forward to having you on the program. We were all fired up when uh, we yeah. heard that you signed yesterday. Uh, but you, uh, you have a unique infectious energy that no, I, uh, I think is making everyone feel better. And I don't know, can you skate? I wouldn't mind getting you in the jet locker room to uh, get, get some I'm of this, sl- get like, some listen, of this energy you can for get this message to, to, to the Jets, let them know I want to go to my first game. I need to go to my first Jets game. Hey. I, need my first, I need to get a stick. I need to learn. I need to get in the, you know, I know how to skate a little bit. I know how to get my groove on, but, you know. You, you let um, me know when you're back in town. We'll do We'll do this up. We'll get you to a game, and then we'll talk about it afterwards. And uh, okay, hopefully like the it. team like the can start putting up some wins and following what the uh, what the football team's been doing for the last couple of years. Uh, Chill, you might hurt somebody with that. Don't, don't, <laughs> don't, don't do that. You know, come on now. <laughs> Sheed, you uh you're the best man. Congratulations on the new Thank deal. So Congratulations much. on another Grey Cup ring. Um uh take too long to read all of the comments of how much people have loved this conversation, but yeah. uh we knew you were going to bring it and you my friend did not disappoint. No, uh congrats on the new deal. Enjoy tonight. Have a have an expert big breakfast tomorrow and dominate another day and uh, we'll look forward to seeing you here back in Winnipeg and we'll do this again maybe even in the off season if you got time. We'd love chatting with you. Yes sir, yes sir. I appreciate it. it was- a pleasure i have fun too thank you guys for watching thank you guys for tuning in all right there he is showtime sheet himself give him a follow on not all of his socials rashid bailey that was unbelievable i'm 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 fired up right now i know you are and uh man it's going to be another great season for the bombers cannot wait to get things going this summer hopefully with full stands and uh 
some great times out at IG Field. All right, Mike McIntyre is going to come up in just a minute. Uh, before we do that, a big shout out to our friends, Donnie and the guys over at Manitoba Battery. Manitoba Battery remains the premier stop for all your battery needs in Winnipeg and Manitoba. Most automotive batteries are priced for less than $100 with Core Exchange, or they'll deliver it to your door anywhere in Winnipeg for $115 on the same day you order it as long as you get that order in by 1.30 p.m. And for all you ice fishing enthusiasts out there, we're going to get through this extreme cold warning. It's going to get a bit nicer out, and I know you'll be hitting the lake. Manitoba Battery has all the flasher batteries you need to keep you catching fish for the rest of the season. And, of course, batteries for your sleds, too. Go see Donnie and the gang down at Manitoba Battery for all your battery needs. 1026 Logan, 783-8787, or online at manitobabattery.com. I'll tell you what, um, Royal Sports, of course, is the go-to spot for Grey Cup merch, uh, Bomber Championship merch. We saw David Letterman wearing that uh, the Bomber Championship toque to the uh, late show. Uh, may I suggest maybe going and picking up an 88 Bailey jersey? Um, I, that was so much fun. He was so awesome. Uh, and I'll tell you what, I'd like to see a few more 88s in the stands this year. Uh, you know where you can get all your Bomber merchandise down at Royal Sports at 750 Pemina Highway, along with thousands and thousands of pieces of Jets merchandise, including many exclusives, NFL gear, few pieces of Bengals merch left, lots of Rams gear as well, and of course, hockey, snowboarding, fitness, and so much more, not to mention all the cool stuff over on the Kings Skate Snow and Surf side. Royal Sports, 750 Pemina Highway. Follow them on Insta at Royal Sports Pemina for the latest merch drops and great deals. Uh, and as we get out of this cold front, you know, maybe your car, maybe you realize that it's time for a change into the new year. If you're thinking about a new vehicle in 2022, before you do anything, talk to our friends over at Not Auto Corp at Waverly and McGillivray. Why not get into the car of your dreams at an amazing price with the help of the Not team? Incredible vehicles on the lot. And if there's a particular make and model you're looking for, talk to the Not guys. They will help you source it, get it here to Winnipeg at the best possible price. Not.ca online and go visit them over at Waverly and McGillivray. All right. This is a tough act to follow for McIntyre because Rashid Bailey just absolutely brought about as much energy as we have ever had in an interview. And it is somewhat ironic that we come from Rashid Bailey with all of his energy to talk about a team that hasn't had enough energy, to be honest, at many times this season. Let's bring Mike McIntyre in from the Winnipeg Free Press for a little chat about the Jets at the All-Star break. Mike, what's going on? How are you? I'm feeling it, Huss. Uh, I, I, I'm up for the challenge. Rashid Bailey, I'm not sure if you caught much of that. Yeah, yeah. He, he is, I, I, I mean, like, uh, you know, you see him on, you know, on the Instagram, those things. I mean, he seems to just be possessed sometime by the amount of intensity and energy that he has. And uh, it's pretty clear that that's not manufactured. It's all genuine. We just saw it for 20 minutes here on the show. It's funny, uh, I'm actually writing my column today for tomorrow's Free Press about the Blue Bombers, uh, a rare divergence from the Winnipeg Jets, but um, kind of singing the praises of Kyle Walters and and uh, Wade Miller and Mike O'Shea and what they've managed to do this winter. It, it really is impressive, uh, given the challenges and the fact that basically every player of note could test the free agent waters and, and the number of guys that they've made you know, managed to lock up here before free agency opens kind of speaks to the 
culture that they've established here in Winnipeg, one that, um, well, frankly, the other team, the other big team in town, they're struggling uh, immensely to build that culture. And maybe the Jets, maybe they want to get bend the ear a little bit of the uh, brass with the Bombers to kind of find out what's worked so well for them because uh, the hockey team could probably use some of the, some of the football teams. Well, rub, if you will. well, Mike, I mean, to be completely honest, I'm listening to Rashid Bailey talk with the passion that he had, um, you know, over the last 20 minutes. And I literally was thinking to myself during the interview, if I'm Dave Lowry and I'm seeing this, I'm getting Sheed on a plane into that dressing room for some motivational speeches to these guys <laughs> beforehand, because honestly, that sort of passion has been absent for most of this season amongst most of this these players. Um, we'll get into your piece on Shifley in particular in a minute, but um, I mean, Mike, you've been following this team all along. We're 42 games in, 40 to go. They're one game above NHL 500. There's been some miserable losses, including the most recent game on the road in Philly against a team that had not won a game in regulation in 2022. Um, how did we get here? Yeah, I mean, you look at the last three games, right? And it, it really speaks volumes about where this team is at. There, there was the absolute disheartening loss to the Canucks a week ago that I thought was kind of rock bottom for this team, quite frankly, given the, the stakes, uh, you know, what, what was at stake in that game and, and just how empty the Jets came out. Then, of course, they go into St. Louis and, you know, play a heck of a, a game against a heck of a team. And, you know, with their backup in net and an AHL-level blue line. So then you think, well, maybe they've turned a corner. But uh, what's the old saying about fool me once, you know, fool me twice? You know, then they go and and kind of have an uninspired effort. I mean, great first shift the other night in Philly. Huss, they get the goal. And you think, wow, they've carried this momentum over. They're going to cruise to a, a victory here. They'll go into the All-Star break winning two in a row, feeling pretty good. And, of course, as history shows, that was all the offense they generated. Yeah, Carter Hart was really good, but my goodness, it's become a broken record around here how many times this year the Jets have made average or even, in some cases, below-average goalies look like Vesna Trophy winners. Um, you know, and the, and the Jets, they just couldn't generate anything, really, of substance. And so that is a loss that, to me... Um, it 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 does speak volumes about the state of this team right now. This is not a playoff team. This is not a team that should be looking at at loading up at the trade deadline. In fact, they should be looking at unloading and what they might be able to get, you know, stripped down for parts kind of thing. Not to suggest that a full rebuild is the way to go here because I don't think with this core – I mean, unless something really crazy happens, I, I don't suggest that we're going to see a rebuild, but for sure a retooling. And I guess one of the many questions around the Jets, and I put this in my column today, Huss, is is Kevin Sheveldayoff going to be the one that is tasked with, you know, making some of these decisions and some of these moves? Or does the organization decide that, you know, they need changes going beyond just the head coach, which, of course change in December they're they're at a crossroads no question about it and I think that loss in Philly the other night to me if there was any doubt about you know where this team is at I think that removed any doubt unfortunately 
Well, speaking of Chevy, um, and listen, I mean, I'm sure like, you know, when you have a season like this, everything is under the microscope and reviewed. Um, you know, I would say that, you know, I think I'll hand up. I mean, I thought Chevel Dayoff did a phenomenal job at getting this team into a position that they could contend this year. And, um, you know, there's a lot of talk about the coaching. Obviously, that's been a change. But right now, let's face it, it's about the guys in that dressing room and on the ice that either are or aren't getting it done. Um, but what do you, we expect, and I know Hammer wrote that, you know, we expect that Chevy, uh, Shovel Dayoff will speak early next week. What do you make of his situation right now? I mean, now that, you know, Paul Maurice is gone, we're halfway through this season, teetering on the edge of a completely lost season when it comes to the playoffs. Um, his situation, what do you expect to hear from him next week? Yeah, I mean, Kevin Shovel Dayoff at the best of times, you know, he often speaks like a politician, right? He says a lot without... He didn't when Maurice left. I no, mean, that's that's what's interesting. The last time we heard from him, it was yeah. very clear. This was on the players that he had assembled. It was time for them to do it, and that has not happened yet under Dave Lowry. Yeah, and I mean, he gave us some sound bites for sure, which, you know, we will obviously throw back at him next week when we do get a chance to talk to him, including, you know, I think the big takeaway that day was how this group needed to get uncomfortable um, you know, and, and so whatever that means, and, you know, we've seen Dave Lowry do some things that perhaps would leave some players uncomfortable. He benched Mark Shifley, for example, the last four minutes of the game in St. Louis the other day. Um, but you know, whatever, whatever bump that Dave Lowry might've had initially, and I, I would suggest there was a little bit of bump. The Jets started January off. You know, they, they were playing. They had that really nice game against St. Louis right before Christmas. They go into Vegas and get a nice win. Um, you know, they, they beat Arizona, which you'd expect them to do, but they didn't blow that game. But after that, it's, you know, this team has has had more um, setbacks than, than successes, no question about it. And so I got to think that Kevin Sheveldayoff, you know, he must be at his wits end with this group because, as you say, Haas, some of those things he said back in mid-December, uh, that here we are now almost two months later and some of the same talking points, right? And in fact, you could suggest the Jets are actually, they're in worse shape now than they were when Paul Maurice stepped down. Um, they are so far out of the playoff race you know, uh, this is a team that they're closer to the bottom of the NHL standings than they are to a legitimate playoff spot. They're now nine points back of that second wild card spot. And as I think anybody who follows the NHL knows, Huss, it's hard to make up points um, in the, in this era of three-point games. Like, if you're double digits behind with only half a season, or in the case of the Jets, just under half now, like, and you have a number of teams to leapfrog. I think there's four others standing in Winnipeg's way. Like, you're going to have to go on almost a historic run here, like 30 and 10 or something in these last 40 games. And this team has shown us nothing to suggest that anything like that is possible. So, yeah, I got to think Kevin Cheveldayoff is, you know, really looking inward here and not only at the moves he made last summer and and why they haven't, led to the success that I think many, including a lot of us, predicted they would have, but also has kind of a forensic audit, if you will, of this core and whether a major shakeup is needed. That is it possible that he's overvalued what he had and that 
some of these guys, they're just not going to get over the hump with them. And and so the only way around that is, is to change them up. But going above Kevin Cheveldayoff, I do wonder what True North, you know, Mark Chipman, David Thompson, we've already seen a beloved coach depart the organization. Um, you know, Dave Lowry, I think he's he's doing what he can. Doesn't seem to be the answer necessarily. We know there's going to be a full-scale coaching search next summer. I have to think that extends to the entire coaching staff, including the likes of Charlie Huddy, who's been here from the beginning. Like, all of those guys, their jobs, I would imagine, are very much um, up for grabs. And I have to think that that's going to extend to the general manager at some point. Does True North look at Kevin Chevalier and say, all right, he's taken us as far as we can. We need an, a new voice in here. Just to throw in one other point here, Huss, I do wonder if at some point the Jets would look at bringing in something you see in other organizations that we haven't here, and whether that's like a president of hockey ops or something like that, you know, somebody else to kind of outside to really take a hard look at everything that, that they have, you know, from the, the prospects on the farm and and coming up through the pipeline to the core that they have here. I do wonder if that would be something that True North either will consider or or they should be considering. An interesting question. Um, you know, I mean, I think we know, you know, how, you know, involved, you know, Mark Chipman has, has been. I mean, I think Chevy and, and Chip's offices are on the same floor, if you know what I'm saying. And, you know, yeah. there have been people that have suggested that maybe you know, having, uh, you know, a difference or maybe someone in between the two could be beneficial. But honestly, I have a hard time laying this on the feet of Shevel Day off, even though the fact that you are responsible for the roster you put together, um, because there's a number of players that, to be honest, we've seen much better from in the past. And it's difficult to say, you know, it's difficult to blame Kevin Shevel Day off for, Mark Shifley being on and off the way that he's been. I mean, uh, you know, Connor Hellebuck's had some rough games. I have a hard time hanging that on the general manager. Right. I mean, I will still make the argument that he put the pieces in place of a pretty good hockey team. And whether you want to blame the coaching or some inconsistent efforts on particular players, I really do think the blame lies below the general manager. But, I mean, to your point, I mean, when you have as disappointing a season as the team has had, Everything is under the microscope and it should be going forward. So, I mean, the coaching discussion has already happened. And, you know, before Maurice left, I brought up, I want to say this is probably in and around late November. I'm mean, probably in and around that ugly game to the Coyotes where they lost. They got Vimelka. And there was a lot of questions as to where the spirit was, where the push was. And, you know, I brought up on this program for the first time and we've continued to talk about it. And many other people have that. You know, is it crazy to think that Mark Shifley is no longer an untouchable for the Winnipeg Jets? And the premise of it was, was that, you know, you've got this eight-year contract, you're now into year six. Everyone would agree that the production that Mark Shifley's had over the course of this has made him dollar for dollar in the salary cap world, um, you know, a, a great value play. I mean, that contract has a lot of value. Um, and he has been such an important player. There's been so much put into Scheif and the importance of it, you know, fairly or unfairly. That's what happens when you're a number one center on a team. That if it is not going well and they don't believe that long term he's going to be a guy that's going to be here or will right. be leaving at the end of the contract, maybe it's time you consider your options when it comes to that. I can't believe that. That was a big picture conversation talking about the offseason 
or the year before going into the final year of the contract. What's been amazing is that, you know, the, the, there's a lot of other people having that conversation now, and it's not necessarily about the end of the season. It's about the now. It's about the trade deadline. And I will say that it's 6.125 with two more years on the contract and three potential playoff runs. That's a chip that, you know, would be a huge, significant shakeup to your core, which many people suggest needs to happen. And, you know, it wouldn't just be trading for a couple picks or something like that. Like it would be a lot of things coming back. So um, fair or unfair, he is the target of a big spotlight right now. And um, unfortunately, with that spotlight on, we're not seeing a lot of, um, well, the Shifley that has played at such a high level at times during his career. Um, You wrote about it today and people should check out the entire piece in the Winnipeg Free Press. But um, what do you make of where Shife is at right now and how much of a factor is his inconsistent play this year dealing with where they are at right now in the standings? Oh, I think it's a, it's a massive factor, Huss, because this is, as you say, number one or 1A or 1B center, arguably, a guy that plays 20-plus minutes a night, typically. He's on your top power play unit. Um, he's a, he wears a letter on his, on his sweater, right? So he's part of that leadership group. Uh, and so the, he is, in a lot of ways, you know, one of the one of the substantial faces and voices of this team. And and his play, I mean, going all the way back, of course, uh, we don't need to repeat history. But, you know, looking back to that playoff series against Montreal, to me, he just hasn't been the same player. And I, I wish I could explain why that is. Um, you know, is he playing through some injury or injuries that we're not aware of? Uh, I don't know the answer to that. Perhaps um, is, is he experiencing symptoms? We know he he contracted COVID back in October, although his was said to be symptom free. Um, is he experiencing symptoms because of that that are affecting his play? Uh, again, we don't know the answer to that. Um, we know that he continues to be put in the lineup, so presumably he's healthy enough to play. But you know, this is a guy. I think he's got one goal in the last nine games. Um, he's got one assist in the last four. And, and it's not just that. To me, the, the offensive production, that's just a very small worry about Mark Scheifele. It's a lot of the other things surrounding him, specifically a guy that has talked about wanting to be mentioned in the same echelon as the Matthews and the McDavid's. I mean, we heard that a lot last year in the All-Canadian division. You need to be a complete 200-foot player if you're going to be mentioned as as a legitimate superstar. And I think, if anything, Haas, we're seeing his defensive game regress, not improve. And for a guy who's 28, you know, supposedly right in the prime of his career, that that's troubling. Um, and, you know, the old lead by example, right? Uh, well, he's not providing a very good example on a lot of nights. And we saw it, I mean, again, going back to the St. Louis game, he led the team, I think he was credited credit it's probably not the right word he was he was blemished with a uh, team high three or four giveaways but you know the most egregious one was with about four minutes left the Jets have a two-goal lead and he just hands the puck I believe it was to Robert Thomas who goes in and gets a great scoring chance I mean if Eric Comrie doesn't bail Mark Shifley out my goodness the wheels in that game may have just come oh. off and and Dave Lowry to his credit stapled 55 to the bench he never saw the ice again and I don't imagine that was an easy move uh, but it speaks to I think what Dave Lowry's trying to do here uh, in terms of instilling a culture and an attitude and you know 
The other part of Shifley to me that's concerning Huss is what we see in his very rare media appearances. For an assistant captain, he doesn't talk a whole lot to the media. Um, and part of that is because he usually doesn't have a whole lot to offer in terms of what he says. You, you get a lot more insight from the the Andrew Cops and the Paul Stasnys and you know the Dylan DeMellos and the Nate Schmitz, guys who aren't wearing letters. Uh, but when Mark Shifley spoke last week and he flat out said, I believe it was to Scott Billick's question, does your team have an identity? And he just flat out said no. Uh, I mean, that, that was... Probably not, I believe, was probably the... Probably not, uh, right. Was that, the, that was... Uh, and, and then he added, you know, a little bit more to that. And then I found it really interesting what Dave Lowry came out and said in that, you know, that same day where he kind of threw it back at the players and said, well, here's what our identity is, but we need we need our skilled players to be doing, you know, A, B, C, D, E. We need our physical players to be doing this. Like, he kind of said, we have an identity. It's just the players, you know, w- what was unspoken is Dave Lowry saying, there's a bunch of them that aren't willing to follow the identity that we're putting in place. And to kind of sum it all up, Huss, I found Paul Stasny's comments fascinating the Ooh. other day after the Philadelphia game where Jeff Hamilton asked him, um, you know, about a, a few different things. And Paul Stasny flat out said, we're not basically implied we're not on the same page. We need to get on the same page. And then said, we got guys showing up some nights and other guys who aren't. Like, it doesn't take a, uh, to quote Don Cherry, a rocket surgeon, I believe is how he used to put it, <laughs> to figure out who he might have been referring to. And and I suspect his line mate, Mark Shifley, was one of those guys who, you know, he's implying that he didn't show up that night. And, and frankly, he didn't. You know, uh, Mike McIntyre, the Winnipeg Free Press with this here. Leighton Janice in a super chat. Thanks a lot for the support, Leighton. He said, I understand the uh, n- the negativity, get the emotions running and generates clicks. I don't like these trash shife comments. Mark's our boy, let's have his back. I understand the support for him and everyone would prefer to be having a very different conversation. In fact, a conversation that I expected. I hammered the overprop on Shifley for the season. I thought that the carrot of being a Canadian Olympian would bring out the best in him. Yeah. And I'll tell you what, Mike, I certainly thought that the emergence of Pierre-Luc Dubois pushing for him for that spot in ice time would have also raised his game, and it hasn't. And, you know, fair or unfair, I mean, we're not talking about what Pierre-Luc Dubois isn't doing right now. Kyle Connor's having a hell of a season. Cole Perfetti's fitting in nicely. Nikolai Ehlers is hurt. I mean, Blake Wheeler's the captain of this club, only has two goals. He's been injured quite a bit, and I think we realize we're on the back end. It's the law of diminishing return for, for, for Wheeler. Yeah. The reason these conversations are having is because Mark Shifley is so important to this hockey club. And frankly, it's hard to imagine them making any sort of a push if they don't get the best out of 55. And anyone that's watched this team so far this season knows that they haven't been getting it. For sure. We we could spend the whole program talking about how the Jets need more from their bottom six. Where's Christian Veselainen? Um, you know, AWOL. Right. But, but, Christian Veselainen is Christian Veselainen and Mark Shifley's Mark Shifley. And so um, I get that there are people who see this as almost a personal attack on Shifley. It's not, as you say, Haas, it speaks to his value and his importance to this franchise. Um, and so hard questions have to be asked when, when he's severely underperforming. And I'm with you. I, I wrote a piece shortly after Pierre-Luc Dubois was, was acquired in the trade 
where I wondered out loud if this might just be a terrific thing for Mark Shifley because, and I equated it to the Dreisaitl-McDavid factor in Edmonton. Granted, Dubois and Shifley are not McDavid and Dreisaitl, but I noted how those two, McDavid and Dreisaitl, they seem to bring out the, they push each other. There's, there's an internal competition there as to who is the best player on the team. And, you know, you see it, they're, they're right there at the end of the year in the scoring race and the heart trophy voting, like you name it. And I wondered if the Jets might benefit from that sort of thing where you have Dubois and Shifley pushing each other. Right now, it seems like a very one-sided push that's going on. Pierre-Luc Dubois has pushed Mark Shifley right out of the picture. Um, you know, he's the one that's playing with Kyle Connor, who for a long time, of course, was on the left side of Mark Shifley. I got to think that probably stings a little bit to Mark Shifley. I'm sure he'd love to have the team's leading goal scorer on his wing, but he doesn't because Pierre-Luc Dubois has been so good in that role. Um, but, you know, you talk about body language and passion and emotion. You were talking about Rashid Bailey. Look at the emotion that Pierre-Luc Dubois brings to the game every night. The, you know, I wrote in my piece today that aside from the goals and assists and points, the give-a-damn factor Pierre-Luc Dubois is miles ahead of where Mark Shifley's appears to be right now and that's noticeable fans see it coaches see it other players see it they see a guy in Dubois who he's he's willing to do whatever it takes to try and get his team to where it needs to be and then they see a Mark Shifley who doesn't appear to have that same passion or emotion right now and it's it's alarming for sure and so, I, again, I don't know what's going on with Mark Shifley, either physically or or otherwise, but it's something that this organization, I know they're concerned about it. The fact that this isn't just us armchair GMs, you know, trying to find something for clicks and likes to talk about. Again, Dave Lowry benched Mark Shifley for the last four minutes of a pivotal game last week, which to me, speaks volumes about what the guy calling the shots behind the bench thinks of 55's play. Well, let's talk about Lowry for a sec, Mike. Um, you know, he's in a, a unique situation. He's an interim head coach. I mean, listen, if he was able to author some crazy turnaround and the team ended up getting into the playoffs because they played so well in these final 40 games, it would go a long way to maybe taking that interim tag off. Um, but there's a long way to go and that's a huge hill to climb. Um, what, what are the challenges for Lowry over the court, like going into this game on the 8th of February, knowing that this team is going to be playing 40 games in 81 days. It's pretty much nonstop and every game is incredibly valuable um, to get points or we'll be talking about the trade deadline as we get into March. Yeah. I mean, I think the biggest challenge Huss, is keeping them all as Paul Stasny talked about, or at least as close to being on the same page here, because you get the sense, I certainly do, that the bottom could absolutely fall out here. That that if if they come out of the break and they have a couple more sort of lackluster efforts and maybe they get their doors blown off by Minnesota, you know, who's a really good hockey team, of course, like things could go south in a hurry. And and you'd hate to think that in a couple months from now, we're looking back at February 3rd as saying the good old days. But to me, with all those games in such a short period of time, um, you know, and misery often compounds misery, right? Losing compounds losing. 
they, Dave Lowry has a real tough job here. Forget about the playoffs for a second. He's got to he's got to try and just keep the ship afloat here, and and you know not completely hitting the iceberg and going under entirely. Um, and and you know motivating these guys, they, they shouldn't need it. They they sh- they're professionals. They're all being paid really well. Uh, but we know that sometimes it doesn't work that way. And so, you know, keeping all these guys sort of focused, I guess, on on the short term as opposed to, you know, the Jets can't go out on February 8th next Tuesday and make up a 14-point deficit. That's not a nine-point game that'll get them into a playoff spot against the Flames. And so, you know, the old sort of forest for the trees expression comes to mind. Like, it's a daunting task. And to keep them focused kind of one day at a time, that's going to be easier said than done. And uh, I I suspect that he's going to have his work cut out for him. Mike McIntyre, the free press. Uh, Just before we go, Mike, as you mentioned, uh, going away from the Jets and talking bombers tomorrow in the newspaper. Yeah, I'll have a bomber column kind of singing their praises of what they've uh, done so far this winter as we uh, get set for free agent frenzy in the CFL next week. And then tomorrow, this will be in Saturday's paper going to take a bit of a run at the NHL as a whole here. This is a weekend, of course, the All-Star Game. Supposed to be a celebration of all the great things in the NHL, as we were reminded again last night with Rock Oh, my Burke God. And so many other things, from Evander Kane to the sorry state of officiating. It kind of strikes me that there is, there, there is a lot right now that needs to be fixed. Uh, the NHL's house is a bit of a mess. And so that'll be uh, that'll be the focus of tomorrow's piece. Hey, just quickly, I know I was going to get to this with Remus in a bit. We went a little long with Sheed right into you, but uh, I, what, what was your reaction when you saw that clip from Rocky Wirtz last night? I, I, I was gobsmacked. I mean, the most tone deaf, poor response, considering everything we know and everything that's happened with that organization. And uh, I mean, to me, that's going to be the biggest story of All Star Weekend. Unfortunately for Gary Bettman, it will. And you know, I, I said this on Twitter last night. To me. The NHL, I don't see how they they can't step in here. They have to step in and intervene and do something about this. If they just leave this and his his apology that got put out last night that I suspect he didn't write a single word of, that the comms team put that together because they're trying to put out the inferno that he just started. Um, you know, to me, there's got to be some real sanctions here and I get that he's the chairman and the owner, and so you know your options are somewhat limited. But unfortunately, Huss, he just said out loud what a lot of executives sort of whisper quietly behind closed doors, and that's to me that's the most kind of revolting thing of all. That that his comments, as abhorrent as they were, unfortunately, there's a lot of people that in the NHL and in in executive positions that probably kind of agree with what he said they just wouldn't have the audacity to say it out loud and you know throw a public temper tantrum like that but to me it just illustrates once again that all this talk of change um changing cultures and you know making safe working environments it, it, it is just talk in a lot of cases and and you know the proof is often in in actions not words and we saw those actions Kind of on gross display last night. No doubt about it. Mike, thanks so much for the time. Always appreciate having you on and uh, enjoy a few days off uh, into the weekend and uh, going to be real busy once we get to, to next Tuesday. You betcha, Huss. Take care. 
Appreciate it. There it is, Mike McIntyre. Well, we've had the good talking with Rashid Bailey. We've had the uh, unfortunate conversation we've been having lately about the play to the Winnipeg Jets, but it's going to get real fun in a minute because we're going to be talking Canada's men's soccer team. Huge win last night. They're on their way to the World Cup. Uh, before we do that, uh, a big shout out to our friends at Little Brown Jug. Featuring right now the perfect winter beer, the Little Brown Jug Double. It's a malt-forward, Abbey-style ale with rich, dark fruit flavors, copper in color, complex fruit and spice aroma, flavors of raisin, plum, and dried cherry, sweet with a moderately dry finish. Uh, maybe a good romantic beer for uh, for Valentine's Day if you're looking to have a few cold ones for that. I'll tell you what, you can pick up the double at Liquor Marts or get it at Little Brown Jug along with the 1919, the Brood IPA, and much more. Order online at littlebrownjug.ca. Little Brown Jug delivers beer straight to your door three days a week on Wednesday, Friday, and Saturday. Order online at littlebrownjug.ca. I'll get to our Princess Auto Curling Report after we talk soccer with our guy Rob Gale. Uh, but of course, last night, a lot of people packing Boston Pizza to watch Canada, El Salvador. Boston Pizza, the best spot to get together with friends for the big game. Enjoy ice cold schooners, famous Boston's wings, gourmet pizzas, and so much more. And if you uh, are staying in because it's too damn cold, go to bostonpizza.com, check out their game day deals, and get it ordered online hot and fast to your door. And a big shout out to our friends at the Nick and Nikki DQ group with Four locations in Winnipeg and Southern Manitoba, DQ Niverville, DQ Northgate, DQ Polo Park, and DQ St. Anne's. Uh, you know, they got all the great ice cream novelties. They got those buffalo chicken fingers, the ultimate grill burger and more, blizzards, and of course, those amazing ice cream cakes, which are good 12 months a year. Hit them up online at DQ Manitoba if you'd like to order a custom cake for pickup at any of the four Nick and Nicky DQ locations. All right. Cannot wait for this conversation. We've been talking a lot of soccer for the last few months as Canada's men's national team has charted a new course to success that we've never really seen in our lifetimes. And who better to uh, talk a little footy with than our good friend, the uh, former head coach of Valor FC and uh, our go-to guy for soccer content, the one and only Rob Gale. Gailey, what's good, my man? Great to have you on the program. Oh, so how are you, buddy? I was worried that you were going to introduce me there. You said you've had the bit of the good, a bit of the bad, and then I thought you were going to come to me as the ugly. So hell no, I wasn't sure where we were going. No, we're finishing strong. Hey, come on, <laughs> you're the uh, you're the fashion plate of Winnipeg sports talk guests. Um, I'll tell you what. Uh, no, seriously, it's great to catch up with you, my friend. It's uh, I mean, obviously, we've always always loved talking to you, and I mean, when it comes to talking soccer right now in this country. We're in uh, we're in rarefied air. Um, you know, all of our great soccer championship conversations have been about Desiree Scott and the women over the last few years. And uh, now our Canadian men's team is barging into the conversation. Uh, what an incredible run this team's on. Um, uh, yeah, unbelievable for the people outside, I think, especially um, having had the privilege to work with these guys. And uh, I was thinking about this last night. Some of the commentary is like, oh, you know, we haven't beaten the USA in, in so many years. We haven't beaten Mexico. We haven't beaten El Salvador. But these lads have in the youth teams. And I think that's an important distinction is them going in now and, and John is doing an unbelievable job in galvanizing them to the shirt and uh, wanting to leave a legacy and, and take the sport to new levels in this country. But they've grown up over the last six to ten years beat in these other nations and they're still their peers at their age groups now right and 
it's just fantastic for people like Milan and Atiba who had to go through those barren years to now get this sort of swan song that's going to be going to Qatar. You know, I mean, you uh, people might not know this. I mean, you have an extensive uh, amount of experience with the Canadian program and with junior clubs. I mean, uh, how many of these players do you remember uh, coaching or seeing them develop when they were uh, just young lads, as you would say? Yeah, I think, you know, I, uh, one of the things John is always great to as well. He, he always, I always send him a message before and after games. And he always says, this is, you know, this is testament to the work that we used to do, which is very kind of him. I think there's about 17 out of the 23 that have come through, like the youth programs and players like Liam Fraser, Liam Miller, Kyle Larin, uh, Richie Larea. Um, yeah, Kamal Miller, Sam Adekugby. I gave Sam the captaincy when we played England in England as he was a uh, an Englishman, Canadian like myself. So it's just so nice for them to be experiencing this now and to see the growth that they've gone on to from those sort of aspirations of being a young pro to now living out an unbeaten campaign in CONCACAF. It's fantastic. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, I tweeted this out, I guess, uh, after the game against the United States. I mean, enough about talking about just being there. Let's go win the whole damn group. I mean, they're on the top of the table. They put themselves in an unbelievable position to do just that. Um, I mean, I know you were optimistic about the direction that this program was going and the opportunity to maybe get in. But, um, I mean, is this even beyond the wildest dreams of uh, the most um, dialed in people in Canadian soccer? Or was this sort of what people thought that might be possible, um, but just it had to happen and now it is? Yeah, I think we thought, uh, and even internally, I'd say that qualification was a possibility. The new uh, octagonal instead of the hex, the way the Nations League played out, there was definitely a better opportunity. Um, and it got revamped a couple of times, so we were a bit worried that we might miss the boat and, and not get into the, the opt. But I think to say that you'd think that we'd go undefeated, be dominating you know, with one window to go, we nearly got in last night and US and, and Mexico did what they needed to do. But I don't think anyone would have said it would be this as easy as we've made it. Uh, and we, sure, we've had some fortune along the way and Atiba's goal last night. And, you know, there, there's been some moments where things have gone our direction. But if you look at the other teams, US are in a rebuild there. They're not as strong as they have been. Mexico is is not the force that it once was and they've sort of graduated out. Honduras hasn't been this week in a long time. So it's it's the perfect storm and, and what John's done with the group uh, and galvanised them and now they're playing for each other and just you can see they're a band of brothers loving it at the moment and long may it continue, buddy. Yeah, you know, you mentioned John Herdman. I mean, what a what a unique career he has had. Um, you know, uh, taking the uh, women's team to this incredible heights, and then moving over to the men's team and doing what he's doing now. I mean, you know, we obviously focus on the talent, the incredible players, and with Davies and David. But how much credit should uh, should the skipper be getting right now for where Canada's at? Yeah, enormous amounts. Um, and, and there were people that, you know, criticised his route in coming over and sort of manufacturing his way across to the men's side from the females and he'd not coached professionally, not coached the women's side. But if you get to know John um, and, and you've heard him talk and how he motivates and his I worked for him for five months before I took the Valor job and then came over to the pro game instead of staying along with him. Um 
And when you work with him day to day, he's absolutely meticulous. Every hour of the day is structured. He has looked at high performance environments, be it Formula One racing or the All Blacks from when he was in New Zealand. And, and everything is structured. It's all by design and not by chance. And he leaves no stone unturned. And one of the work I did with him initially was talking about the realities of CONCACAF, and he wanted to understand that. Why is it so difficult to go to El Salvador and Honduras? What do they do? They play at the hottest times on the dodgy surfaces. They don't give you air conditioning they, in the dressing rooms. You know, all of those tricks. And he says, well, why don't we do that as Canada? So everything, even playing in Hamilton, they'll look at the flight time between Honduras to Toronto and then Toronto to El Salvador. And to be fair, with the meticulous planning and organization, he then galvanizes the leadership to invest and get sponsors on board and all of those things, which other leaders may have had the right plans and the technical capacity, but they didn't drill down into the details needed to make sure that we're resourcing the team properly uh, in terms of their compensation, their bonuses, but also the way they travel, the places we stay, the distances. And John is absolutely meticulous, top to bottom, from the tactical plan, the technical plan, but everything off the field, the travel, the staff, the preparations, the what-if scenarios to make sure that we will give the players the best chance to be successful. And luckily now, on the men's side, with seeing what they've done on the female side under John, they are resourcing the program to achieve the results that we're getting. Rob so, Gale with us talking Canada men's national team, uh, all but qualified for the Qatar World Cup for the first time since 1986. And, you know, Rob, I've been kind of saying for months, uh, you know, as we've kind of followed the, the beginning of this and knowing that the potential of what Canada could do, that, I mean, if you could buy stock in Canadian soccer, do it right now. You should have been doing it for the last month because, um, you know, it, something special is happening right now. I, from your perspective, as someone that's tied in but realizes the growth potential for soccer amongst casual sports fans, what's a World Cup appearance? And never mind just being there, but being an exciting team that people around the world are talking about that, you know, might be able to do a bit of damage. What do you think that's going to do for the sport going into 2026, where Canada is going to be one of the hosts of the world cup? Yeah. Look, we were all looking forward to 2026 thinking the financial boon of a world cup. It's like a $6 billion economic impact, right? Coming into North America. Uh, it is the single largest sporting event. Um, and I, I, what I compare it to is look what the, the, the Olympics did to Vancouver and how the country got behind it from the, you know, the, the song for the medals and galvanizers. And we're all, you know, behind that. And, and the World Cup will have a transformational effect on the game in, in this country, no doubt about it. We look at the immigrant population that comes into Canada every year. The majority of those are coming from a country where soccer is the number one sport. And that is the culture. That is the future. They're not into the baseballs, the hockey, the, the football, um, gridiron football. Uh, they come from countries where soccer is, is their game. And that's the demographic. That's the future demographic of Canada. Now, what we've needed, as the women have done for us, is the males to galvanize that and provide us the heroes and, and, and the exposure uh, uh, to the general public and, and the masses. 
and and by qualifying four years earlier that's just sped it up so that with the cpl the leagues the growing uh, numbers we already know it's the number one participated sport in the country but you're going to see those those fan figures go up uh crazy numbers well, we're seeing it right now. I mean, one soccer put out the, the the total numbers of the people that watch the game on Sportsnet combined with, I mean, unprecedented streaming numbers beyond anything we've seen for pretty much anything in the past. Um, and it just tells you the groundswell of interest and people that are that are jumping on board right now and really feeling excited about it. And listen, it's the young men that are wearing the Canada jersey that are doing this right now. We focus so much on Alfonso Davies for obvious reasons, one of the top players in the world. Jonathan David, a scoring star. Um, but for fans that haven't seen the team or have just watched a couple games, who are some of the other players outside of those two real stars that maybe get most of the attention that have impressed you, Rob, and that have been so important to this uh, amazing run that Canada is currently on? I mean, there's a few. I'd say Steven Eustachio, uh, who's just signed for Porto, a powerhouse in Europe, is elevation from, I remember Sean Fleming having a look at him at the U17 years ago and trying to get him in, and he was deciding between England and Portugal. Kyle Larin, who I had with the under-20s when he was just coming out of the college game, is the record scorer for Canada now. He's got more goals in this qualifying campaign and also the last calendar year than Jonathan David. He deserves a ton of credit. But also, look, there, there's great stories. Sam Adekugbe, the this window has been amazing for him. After that iconic snowbank dive, it's so pleasing to see him after he had a really tough time at the under-20s with uh, Mexico and, and was getting savaged as a, as a youth player. For him to respond as he's done is fantastic. And then you've got the Winnipeg collection with Milan Borgia. Not many people know that Milan actually came in to Canada through Winnipeg. And his dad coached here for a while with the Sons of Italy team, uh, who I used to play for. So that's a great Winnipeg connection. And at 39 years old, him and Atiba, or the, uh, you know, the, the senior statesman, he's in his baggy grey sweatpants. He looks like he could be playing for the dog and donut down the street. And uh, <laughs> he's been unbelievable. He's saving everything. And it's just, you know, I think those are the, those for me have been and some of the standouts. But the beauty of this squad and how John galvanizes the unit is its next man up. Look, we were missing Alfonso, missing Eustachio, and, and we came away with nine points. And every player is playing a part, and they're all on the train together, which is amazing. You mentioned our keeper, Borjan. Um, you know, he was wearing the captain's armband, playing in around his hometown in Hamilton. Um, he, is he sort of the emotional leader of this team? I imagine there's a few, but he certainly seems to have a very special role amongst the squad. Yeah, he has. And, you know, again, John does a, a unique thing. He calls it a VIN group where he divides the group up into the veterans, the newcomers and the intermediates. And he gets each of those groups to say, what is it that's unique about their group and what they're going to contribute? And those veterans are key. You know, Atiba, Milan have been through it, seen it. Stephen Vittoria, I'd add into that. You know, they are the players that have seen and gone to Honduras and lost 8-1. Atiba played 90 minutes of that game. And then to see him, you know, in the 2 0 win when we won and he played the full 90 some, you know, 10 years later is phenomenal, really. And Milan, you can see him after the game. He's the one, gets them all in a huddle, makes the speech. He, he's a great character. Uh, and, 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 you know, to a man, they're good, they're good lads and great characters, but he is definitely, like you say, an emotional leader. And 
you see how much it means to him. He's pumping his chest, making a save in front of his hometown bed. You just gotta love this group. You gotta love uh, it. Absolutely. And and let's quickly talk about Atiba Hutchinson because he's not a guy that you know every day gets, you know, we talk a lot about, but he has been a mainstay on this club. How much has he meant to Canadian soccer? And, and where was that the most bizarre goal you've ever seen anybody score? Never mind Atiba last night. I still can't believe that went in the way that it did. I've seen a few dodgy ones in my time, mate. And um, I remember Kyle Aaron got one off the back of his neck or, or back against Mexico when Benito Floro was in charge and qualified too, which was, it was similarly weird. But that was as freaky as it got last night with the two deflections and looping up, but we'll take it. But yeah, you got to love that for a team. But if you don't know him, you know, he's so underrated in this country for what he's achieved. He's played in the top European league for so many years and at Basitas, he's a god in Turkey, a, a soccer legend. He, he, he wouldn't be able to walk down the street without being recognised. You bring him into a, Toronto and, and he can go unnoticed. He is an absolute class act on and off the field and to serve his country and to continue to want to come back after all those heartaches and heartbreaks when he's been successful with his club but got nothing back with his country. Um, it shows the character of the man. He's now the record uh, caps leader of all time. And if it all works out and he, he stays healthy, touch wood, he might play his 100th game for Canada at the World Cup. And what a fitting tribute for an absolute sporting god in this country. Well, speaking of sporting gods, let's talk about Davies. I mean, he didn't play in these three games and they still managed to win all three. Um, for a guy that's, you know, resting his heart, uh, I think we were all concerned. We saw how excited he was getting when he was streaming, watching the games. But uh, fill people in. I mean, if they're not familiar with Alfonso Davies, the player, I mean, how big of a star is he globally for soccer? And um, I mean, as far as just the talent that he brings, how lucky are we as Canadians to have this guy on our squad? Yeah, I mean, look, he made the FIFA World 11 team of the year as a, as a left-back. He's widely considered, you know, the best left-back in, in probably world football. And, and for him to be Canadian is it, phenomenal. And, yeah, if you know Alf and I work with him, I, I gave him uh, a, a cap for uh, Canada at the under-20s against England when he was 15 years old because he was such a physical specimen. And he's gone from that to making Whitecaps first team onto Bayern Munich. Um, and it's just his personality. It's his whole story from coming from, you know, a refugee camp and, and coming over. He, he, he really epitomizes what Canada is and a new Canada, uh, which is what this team is, a new Canada. That's, I think, the beauty of the whole squad is it, it represents us as a country. We are multicultural. We are multiracial. It's... It's a great snapshot of what a Canadian team should look like. And that's why I think there's something in it for everybody. And Alfonso, just a, he loves life. He's enjoying the ride. You watch him on his Twitch and his other accounts and his social media when Drake followed him. He's just a bubbly, <laughs> fun personality. And that kind of energy and vibrancy is what you need and what the, the kids can relate to now in, in modern society. So it's a privilege for us to have him in the Canadian shirt, no doubt. Hey, take us back a few years when you were uh, coaching the Canadian junior squad. I mean, what, when was the first time you saw Alfonso Davies? You laid eyes on him, and uh, what, what, what did you think? Could you have imagined the potential that uh, this young man would turn into? Uh, yeah, look, I know a lot of people ask this question, and lots of people say, oh, yeah, I knew he was so special. I knew he was going to be amazing. Yeah, you, I'd be lying if you know that. If you've ever coached in youth development, there's no crystal ball and injuries and 
off field, anything can derail a player. What I knew, and I knew him when he was like 13 in Edmonton and, and through NTCs and starting to discuss this player. And then when he went over to Vancouver from Edmonton, uh, and then obviously getting a call up for our under-17s program with Sean Fleming and then me calling him up at U15. He was just 15 when I took him to England. And we nearly didn't get him in the country because he hadn't got all the paperwork. He hadn't got his Canadian passport yet. <laughs> but we got him through. Um, I'd be lying if I said I thought he was going to be this big a world star and, and go on to play for Bayern Munich and, and, and take us to the brink of a World Cup. But you knew he was talented. Uh, you knew he was unbelievable physical qualities, absolutely. His power and his speed, which you say you can't coach. But um, if, I'd have, if I'd have known then, you know, I'd have been investing in Bitcoin and other things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, um, Gailey, the, uh, so three games left. Um, I, I get this question a lot from people. Does it matter? I mean, we just want to make it in. Does it matter to win the group? Um, I mean, listen, the, the goal is to be in the World Cup, but fill us in at what's at stake in these final three games. And if Canada were, say, to win all three, finish on top of the group, be undefeated, how much could that help our world ranking and what the, would that do to a potential draw for uh, the World Cup in Qatar? Yeah, that, that's the key to it, really, Huss, is the FIFA World Rankings come out, and obviously we're 40th right now. USA are 11th, Mexico are 14th. And if you look at that USA and us game, you know, how are Mexico? How are USA a top 11 team in the world above Germany? No, no chance really, but it's based on your coefficient in CONCACAF, your FIFA games. So by us winning as many games as we have, we're going to jump in the rankings again, probably into the 20s. Um, and what that will do is give you the potential of a better seeding. You might make pot three instead of pot four when the World Cup draw comes out. And then what that means is, you, you know, instead of, you know, being uh, a minnow as it looks in the world game, you're, you're slightly higher up with better teams in your pool that you will then avoid. And you may only face, you know, one uh, tier one team, like a Germany or a Holland or someone like that. Whereas if you're in the fourth tier, you could end up with a Germany and a Spain in your group. So it's important. John thinks it's important now their aim is um, is for sure going to be to continue the unbeaten run. Can we go through a qualifying campaign completely undefeated? Because then you created history no matter what, right? That No one will ever take that away from them. And it's un, unparalleled. Uh, but the wider, bigger picture is the higher your FIFA ranking, potentially more favorable outcome with who you face in Qatar trying to get out of a difficult group. Uh, Rob, uh, what are your contacts around the world saying about this Canadian squad? Are people sort of waking up and uh, noticing the uh, the beast from the Great White North? It's been happening a lot over the last couple of years. You know, I've got a lot of friends back in the English game playing and coaching days and, and friends I go and visit in top, top level clubs. And they phone me and ask me about players. You know, Jim Neil Marshall Rutty, who's 16 years old and playing at TFC. Hey, Gailey, what's, what's his player? Give me the skinny. What's him? You know, Jonathan David, how good is he? Where do you think his ceiling is? We've got European scouts, but I want to know about his personality. What was he like as a youth player? What was he like when you didn't qualify at under-17s or 18s? You know, these are the things that people are starting to reach out and realize that this market, North America, is bigger than just Mexico and the USA. 
And by having success stories, Alfonso, Kyle, Richie Larea, who's gone now to Nottingham Forest, Liam Miller, who's a Basel, you know, um, Liam Fraser, who's just signed in Denmark. The more players we get in those environments, the more people put their eyes and cast their eyes to this part of the world and don't just think of us as, as a hockey nation. You know, you know, the one guy we haven't mentioned that just stands out for me every time I see him, he's sort of become my, my fast favorite is uh, Tejon Buchanan. And Tejon, I believe, was the rookie of the year in MLS. And um, he's another young Canadian that's now, you know, opened up some eyes and getting an opportunity to play overseas. Yeah, just gone to Bruges. Uh, meteoric rise, really, at New England under Bruce Arena there. And, and what a fantastic uh, story. He's a great lad as well, Tejon. Really nice, humble kid. Didn't have probably the impact he wanted to in this window, but I think that's what's been great. You know, Kyle Larratt steps up, then Jonathan David steps up, Sam Adekugby steps up. There's been a different hero all the way along, other than your Milan, who's had a great qualifying campaign. Um, and like you say, Tejon, again, off the Club Bruges, another big club in Europe, and shown that if you get in and, and you're given a, a chance and you're giving these young players an opportunity, they can make the step from MLS into European football. And it's, it's a great example. Alistair Johnson is another one. He was playing League One Ontario three years ago, amateur football, uh, and was one of the huge success stories um, in MLS last year at Nashville. And now he's gone to Montreal. Um, and he probably hasn't had a bad game for Canada at the senior level. Three years ago, he's playing at the same level that uh, you and Jim Toth are. <laughs> Rob Gale with us. And I do have to ask you about Jonathan David because um, he, many people say if he had a different passport, he would have been talked about far more and, you know, maybe in, in greater um, numbers earlier. Um, but can you put into perspective what he's done this year in the French league playing with some of the biggest and most best known players in the world? Yeah, look, put it this way. Johnny actually has three passports as well because he's got a Haitian and a, a U.S. Uh, mother and father, respectively. And that was one of our jobs early on at U15, convincing him <laughs> to make sure he was going to stay in Canada and, and be Canadian. And what was interesting about Jonathan is he didn't want to sign for any of the MLS clubs. He was an Ottawa boy and Vancouver and TFC and Montreal paid attention to him. But he was steadfast in like, no, he was going to stay in Ottawa and work with his, his, his kind of coach who was a mentor for him. And his agent then took him over to Belgium originally uh, to get him a trial at Ghent there. And then he's, it's a meteoric rise. And you think he won the league last year with Lyon and Paris Saint-Germain have a front three right now, Kylian Mbappe, Lionel Messi and Neymar. And this kid is outscoring them. I think last check he had scored more than Neymar and Messi together this season. And that's a that's a young lad who at 16 was still playing local league in Ottawa. And at 21 years old now, he's dominating European football. Arsenal were looking at him in this last window. Other clubs, have, like I said, I've got friends in, in top clubs in England that have inquired about him to me. He's killing it. And now he's doing it on the international stage as well. When it most mattered, USA, this game again, he's coming up clutch and he finishes the ball as good as anybody in world football right now. 
Hey, last one for you. I mean, we do talk about the opportunities for the players individually and, um, you know, getting big contracts with big clubs in the best leagues in the world is something that's a goal of all of them as much as we want our domestic leagues to continue to flourish. Um, for, I mean, David and Davies, I and mean, we know about them, but for the other players in Canada, what will the opportunity to showcase themselves and our country and our program on the world stage do for them as professionals? It, it, it's huge because everybody is there. And, and the World Cup, you know, the, the rest of professional football stops. Everybody watches the World Cup. There's no other games. There's no conflicts. This is the major event every four years. The eyes of every scout, every analyst, every coach is on that environment for a whole month. And if you can produce there and, and showcase individually, collectively, your transfer value goes up immeasurably. It's why a lot of players wait in their contracts and don't sign new contracts until after that event because they know if they have a big tournament, their value goes up and their agents are encouraging them. So it's such a showcase um, and, and an opportunity to, to highlight the country, the individual talent, the team, uh, and for the financial impact it can bring a good run in a World Cup is you know, it, it's like winning a Stanley Cup or a Super Bowl. The exposure is is frightening. Rob Gale with us. Give him a follow on Twitter at Gailey77. Uh, dude, it's so great to have you back on the program. And uh, man, I haven't had as much fun talking about him. You know, we're talking sports all day, but these conversations about Canada's men's national team right now, the most fun I've had since the women won the gold medal at the Olympics last summer. Uh, and of course, the Bombers winning the Grey Cup too. Great times. Have a nice trip. I know you're going to be uh, heading out for a little bit on the weekend, but let's do this again soon as we continue to follow Canada officially booking their tickets to Qatar for November. Will do, buddy. Don't forget the women's team in the Arnold Clark tournament coming up. We can't forget them because they've been the trailblazers. But uh, all good stuff, mate. And I'll uh, catch up with you when back from the Big Apple. Hey, hey, and you know what? Just quickly, just on the women's program, do want to mention uh, our girl, Des. I mean, still getting it done and uh, signed another deal with the Kansas City Current. And interestingly, I mean, I follow a lot of Kansas City sports. Um, you know, Mahomes and his wife bought the team. They're building a soccer-specific stadium for women's <laughs> soccer, the first one in North America. Uh, and, of course, Des, a hugely important member of that club. Uh, some real positive things happening for the women's game around North America, in addition to what our national team has done for our country. No, it's put on. I think the NWSL just signed uh, the first uh, women's collective bargaining agreement too uh, with the Players Association. So they are really leading the charge and putting women in empowerment in these sports positions. Like you say, Brittany Matthews and, and Angie and Chris Long there have done a phenomenal job. First purpose-built stadium, 70 million right on the waterfront in your city there, mate. And uh, purpose-built $20 million training facility, and our very own Desi leading the charge down there. And if you speak to that ownership group, they say what she means to them. She just embodies everything that they're trying to achieve. So fantastic time for soccer in North America and especially Canada. Let's get it. Thanks for doing this, pal. Great to catch up. Look after yourself, buddy. There he is, the one and only, the uh, the coach with the yellow hair, our guy, Rob Gale, uh, joining us, talking about the most exciting story in sports right now in Canada, and that is we're going to the World Cup. Uh, it'll be official in the next window. Um, but it looks like, um, you know, if this continues, uh, not only going to the World Cup, but winning the CONCACAF group, 
What that will do for Canada's world ranking will be very significant, as Rob mentioned, with the World Cup draw. Uh, but um, for those of us that have been waiting all our lives to have something exciting happening on the men's side when the women have been doing all the winning, that time has come right now. Great stuff from our pal, Rob Gale. All right. Um, I mentioned that we would get to our Princess Auto curling report. So let's fire it up right now. The Scotties continue. And uh, some great news for the Manitoba teams right now at the event. Uh, it's been all Carrie Anerson and Team Canada in Pool B. They are a perfect 7-0, guaranteed a first spot in the group. So great job to Carrie and her team. Um, but Manitoba, Mackenzie Zacharias had a couple tough losses in the last couple days, bounced back with two big wins. She's guaranteed at least a tiebreaker to move on. They are 5-2, and two, tied with Nova Scotia, one game ahead of the Northwest Territories, which is uh, skipped by Kerry Galusha. Um, a win and a loss. Now, Zacharias has a very difficult draw in the final game. She's going up against the undefeated Anderson Rink, so that'll be certainly one Manitobans will want to pay attention to. And how about this? After losing their first game without their skip, Tracy Fleury, Selena Negnogovin and her teammates roll the tape, run the table, six straight wins. The Fleury rink is six and one, and Tracy Fleury is back, skipping today, ready for the weekend. So uh, going to be a lot of Manitoba content at the Scotties on the weekend. Uh, we'll continue keeping you up to date, and maybe we'll do a segment on that tomorrow, heading into the weekend uh, with one of our friends out in Thunder Bay. Of course, Princess Auto, proud sponsors of curling. Jen Jones' team, which will be getting going quickly in the Olympics. By the way, Holman and John Morris, one and one through their first two games in the mixed competition out in Beijing. And Princess Auto is where you'll find the best deals and the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around. Everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at Princess Auto. Visit them at either of two Winnipeg locations, or you can uh, shop online 24-7, 365 over at princessauto.com. Uh, tomorrow, Friday, you know what that means, folks? Another world-famous Winnipeg Sports Talk marble race with uh, a great collab hoodie from Winnipeg Sports Talk and our friends at Canadian Club, the official whiskey of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, the official spirit of Winnipeg Sports Talk. And now for the month of February, check out the Canadian Club displays at your local Manitoba Liquor Marts. Uh, great deals on Canadian Club Original, Canadian Club 100% Rye, and Canadian Club 12-Year Reserve, all on sale for the month of February at our local Manitoba Liquor Marts. All right, we'll get to the cool bet lines in a minute. Let's get Michael Remus back in here. We've got lots to discuss. Remo, uh, I was so excited about this show, uh, and uh, man, has it delivered. Um, Gailey was amazing, talking about the hockey club. I knew we'd have lots of Jets content to get to with Mike. Uh, but I'm still on a high, to be honest, from Rashid Bailey, who joined us. And if you're coming in late and you missed it, make sure to go back to the beginning and see the intensity, the passion of Showtime Sheed, who, uh, as I said, I wasn't even joking. That's, uh, that's the guy that we could use in the Jet dressing room to uh, give a motivational speech right now because he sure as hell motivated everyone here on Winnipeg Sports Talk today. Yeah, that was an incredible conversation with Rashid Bailey. And I we had had him on before, but when you have the video, you could see him, you can hear him, not through a phone line. I mean, these uh, phone speakers and cameras are pretty good now. They're so, so good. It's so uh, I was ready to run through a wall. I wanted to go to, uh, you know, the rink across the street from me and take like standing slap shots for 20 minutes straight. Uh, it was an incredible conversation. And uh, the passion that he has uh, for the Bombers, 
for Winnipeg. Uh, that was awesome. And you have to wonder if Kenny Lawler does take the the big offer from the BC Lions, if he now becomes the number one guy and he's the one getting those deep routes and he sees an uptick in numbers next year. Great performance by him in the Great Cup. He talked about the big catch and the uh, the two-point version as well. I mean, he had the longest reception from the Bombers. It was a trivia question. We did it back in uh, in December. So I think a lot of people here in chat saying, hey, I'm I'm going to go to Royal Sports to get a Rashid Bailey jersey right now. It was I'm incredible. I'm, I'm getting, mark my words, I decided this while we were having the interview. I was always excited to have Rashid on at some point. He over-delivered if that was possible from what I was hoping. And uh, yeah, 88. And 88 is a great number good, for a jersey too. Like if number. you're talking a football jersey, um, 88, you couldn't get much better. So uh, there's going to be some more 88 Baileys rolling out the door over at Royal, well, I think. I'll have to learn how to play Call of Duty, see if he wants to do a Winnipeg Sports Talk <laughs> Rashid uh, Call of Duty stream. Maybe we can set that up. Uh, no I, doubt about I'm it. I'm not a Call hey. of Duty guy, but uh, maybe I should be. Seems and like by the way, I know a lot of people were asking as we were talking about soccer, about soccer merch. And I know Greg from Royal Sports popped in. Uh, I mean, they've just had such a run on it, um, you know, lately over at Royal through the holidays. Uh, but end of this month, expecting a ton of more Canadian soccer gear. So uh, Royal Sports will certainly be the place to be to pick all that stuff up. Now, listen, we talked about this Rocky Wirtz business from last night. Uh, briefly with Mike McIntyre, but you know, maybe for people that have somehow missed this ream, yep. why don't we reset this and play this? I mean, we, we can't go throughout the program without mentioning it. Um, you know, listen, everyone knows the, 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 the Kyle beach story. I mean, the horrible cover up by the organization, the people that have lost their jobs and livelihoods because of it. Um, Rick Westhead right now has uh, an extended report on another one of the victims of Bradley Aldridge after he was with the Chicago Blackhawks who was considering a class action lawsuit. You can read the details. They're disgusting, horrifying, as you would expect in uh, most of these situations. But considering everything we know and how this story has been, at a Blackhawks town hall meeting last night, Mark Lazarus served up what, to be honest, was a softball question. I mean, he wasn't going in there with a big heater. It was essentially, knowing what we know now, what's the organization doing to prevent this from happening again? And, um... Hard to imagine a worse look and a worse answer for the owner of a team that has just been through what the Blackhawks have been than what we saw from Rocky Wirtz last night. This is the way it sounded. Back also, and I think much of what happened to Kyle Beach stemmed from a, a power imbalance between a coach and a player and the powerlessness of a player in that situation. So what are the Blackhawks doing? What have the Blackhawks done? What will the Blackhawks do to empower a player in a similar situation to make sure that doesn't happen again. I'm going to answer the question at okay. the end. I think the report speaks for itself. The people that were involved are no longer here. We're not looking back at 2010. We're looking forward. And we're not going to talk about 2010. I'm we're, not talking about I, I know, and I'm not either. And we're not going to talk about what happened. We're moving forward. That is my answer. Now, what's your next question? I can pick up to what we are doing today. And I think no, I don't know. That's none of your business. That's none of your business. What we're going to do today is our business. I don't think it's any of your business. How is it not my business? Because I don't think it's any of your business. You don't work for the company. If someone in the company asks that question, we'll answer it. And I think you should get on to the next subject. We're not going to talk about Kyle Beach. We're not going to talk about anything that happened. Now we're moving on. What more do I have to say? You want to keep asking the same question? You hear the same answer? 
Okay, ask the next question. I mean, I, I just thought that that was outrageous. Um, listen, I can understand them wanting to move forward, but I, I mean, you can't just not talk about it. And, you know, I believe that was Danny Wirtz, his son, that, you know, realized what a brutal answer this was and tried to sort of step in and give some information. And Rocky wouldn't have any of that. And, you know, I know they talked about it on the TNT panel last night. I mean, it, it has been and probably will be the story of the All-Star game. But Reem, you really do wonder um, just how the NHL goes forward under the leadership, if you want to call it that, of Rocky Wirtz with the Chicago Blackhawks, not to mention how this affects uh, a fan base that I think was already really damaged from uh, all the revelations of, frankly, how tainted that run of all the cups were considering what had happened behind the scenes. Oh, yeah, that was, um, you've seen comments in the chat, disgusting, cringeworthy. I mean, it's a pretty, I agree, it's a pretty easy question. Um, how are you guys going to move forward and what are you doing? And I think if you're an organization, you want to be transparent and open on how you can do that because a lot of fans have lost confidence in the organization, you know, don't feel comfortable, you know, being a fan of the Chicago Blackhawks, if that's the way they're going to act. And, you know, attitudes like, you know, we're not going to talk about it is kind of how you got into this mess in the first place after all that they'd committed to yeah i mean let's face it this wasn't like oh at some point we're going to figure something out i mean this organization they had to clean house they got rid of bowman they mm -hmm. moved forward and you know there was a commitment to do a bunch of things you could tell that danny Wirtz actually wanted to say yes. what they were doing uh, i'm sure that they actually are doing some things but the hubris of rocky Wirtz to go at lazarus like that after he gave them the opportunity at a town hall to explain the positive things that they're trying to do moving forward um just unconscionable and you know another another black mark for uh for the blackhawks organization at least and you know the leadership of that hockey club um moving forward uh, certainly i know sports center will have a bunch more on that today that sort of broke last night and has been a Huge, huge story in the hockey world. Uh, let's get to the cool bet lines before we finish up the program today. Uh, no hockey for the next few days. We do have some uh, some hoops on tonight, and uh, our Raptors are looking pretty good. I know someone was asking about the Raptors. We haven't talked to a lot of Raps so far this season, and usually we're focusing on the Winnipeg stuff, but the Raptors have been a great story. Um, they're taking on their old pal DeMar DeRozan tonight and the Chicago Bulls Raptors a four and a half point favorite in the NBA we've got a Clippers Lakers game tonight Lakers better start winning some games if they want to be in the playoffs three and a half point underdogs for LeBron and the Lakers against Kawhi and the Clippers number of other games tonight including the uh, Phoenix Suns four and a half point road favorites against the Atlanta Hawks well, I mentioned in the Princess Auto Curling Report, there's some games on right now. Looks like the Flurry Rink is up 4-2 at the end of 7 on Northern Ontario. Four games tonight, all up at Cool Bet Canada, Alberta in the Northwest Territories. Alberta, a minus 192 favorite. And uh, then the big game between Kerry Anderson and Mackenzie Zacharias, the all-Manitoba matchup between Canada and Manitoba. Canada undefeated, a big favorite at minus 417. Although Manitoba on the rock line getting two and a half might be, a, I might get on that. Um, certainly, this is a nothing game for the Canada squad. Um, they've already clinched first place, uh, running it out, and they will have a bye through the first round of the playoffs as well. Uh, Quebec, Nova Scotia, Nova Scotia minus 238, and uh, BC, a massive minus 33 33 favorite against the Yukon. Yukon 10 to 1 to win outright. Of course, you can bet on uh, 
pretty much uh, everything. Pebble Beach going on right now, getting underway today, and much more at CoolBet Canada. If you haven't bet at CoolBet before, use the promo code WST for a 100% bonus on your first deposit up to $200. Uh, Remo, heck of a show today, and uh, I can't wait for tomorrow. We're going to have uh, more on the Jets at the All-Star break with one Ken Weeb. And uh, we're going to have to get Hacksaw on to talk about some of the big stories around the National Football League, including Jim Harbaugh not going to the Minnesota Vikings. Sounds like Harbaugh is going to return to Minnesota, uh, as well as, of course, the Brian Flores suit, which I know Lee will have some takes on for us tomorrow. Yeah, Hacksaw confirmed uh, he will be on. Excited for Ken. Uh, do you know if Coolbet is going to have lines for uh, the all-star skills competition? Because they're coming out with, um, you know, who's competing in what. Right now, I'm trying to keep track of that. Kyle Connor, as Wyshynski said yesterday, he's going to be in fastest skater. I'm kind of curious how he's going to do. But um, we got, uh, what, the street hockey Vega here, they're coming up with their. You want to see what who's in what right now? I wonder if Cool Bet's yeah, gonna yeah. have who's in the who's in the blackjack shooting competition. Okay, I, I think this is the blackjack shooting. The what did they call it? Yeah, 21 and 22. 21 and 22. It's Kadri, Austin Matthews, Brady Kachuk, Joe Pavelski, and Stamkos. Uh, I would think Austin Matthews would be he'll be the favorite, will be, he'll the, be favorite. the favorite Although, if they're booking that. Yeah, maybe Stamkos. I'm curious what his are. But uh, save streak participants, I guess you just have all the goalies in that. That's the one where the goalie, goalies come in and just pray they don't get injured and pull anything. Yes, exactly. That's, that's Yeah, that's that's the rough one. We got fastest skater, Kreider, Kempe, Kyle Connor. Love how they picked the Heritage jersey for Kyle Connor in the NHL graphic there. Uh, Kuznetsov, Kairu, Larkin, Makar, McDavid. Uh, I'm not, I, I mean, McDavid's got to be the favorite, but... You know, maybe Larkin or, or Makar could go in there. Uh, fountain face-off. This is a new one. This is on the Bellagio Fountain. They have some stuff floating that I think you got to shoot pucks on. you got Huberto, Giroux, Eberle, uh, Jocelyn Lamru, Davidson, uh, Roman, Yossi, Nick Suzuki, Zach Wierenski, and Mark Stone. This one will be interesting for TV. And then is that, oh, accuracy, accuracy. We got Dreisaitl, Keller. Darlene, Aho, Gensel, Terry. A lot of people in this. Terry, Gaudreau, Bergeron. I'd like to see Connor in the accuracy, but he's in. He's fastest skater. So. Yeah, listen, Kyle Connor he going go at it every... against McCarr and McDavid in the fastest skaters. Mm. That will be awesome. Hey, without looking at oh, the All Star break, oh, do you know who's leading the NHL in goals right now? Okay, is it Chris Kreider? Yes. Okay, because <laughs> Chris someone... Kreider has thirty. 30- Three goals on the season. Um, I mean, not surprising to see Dreisaitl and Matthews and Ovechkin there. But uh, I've sort of been waiting for Chris Kreider to fall off all season. Um, what a season that he and the Rangers are having right now. Uh, I know he's played a couple extra games than Dreisaitl and Matthews, but 33 goals at the break is 33 goals at the break. Um, uh, I, I, let's just say I didn't have that at the start of the year, Chris Kreider going off. I did not have that, and I only guessed him because Mike Kelly came on last week and said that uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois is only second to Chris Kreider in, like, going to the net, whatever stats he read, I tweeted them out, in second, like, going to the, like, inner slot, but he's like, yeah, Chris Kreider's leading the league in goals. I was like, excuse me? I would not expect that. Kyle Connor, he is uh, sixth in the league, tied for sixth with Troy Terry, but yeah, I would not have... I guess did that. I mean, Vili Huso has 
Here, I can pull, bring him up here. Like we could Look at these leaders here at the All-Star break. Billy Husso leading the league in goals against average. I know there were concerns about Bennington, but Husso been absolutely incredible. So. Oh, and there's Freddie Anderson, number two, yeah. 201. And uh, isn't that going to be funny when the Canes make a big run this spring with Freddie Anderson? And despite the fact that the Leafs have a great team and have had a great season, like they're going to probably be playing either Tampa or Florida in the first <laughs> round of the playoffs. And I'm, let's face it, that's going to be a very, very difficult round to win for a team that has not had any playoff success in forever. Are the Leafs going to be the the team that comes forward and says, you know what, guys, we can't do this division playoff stuff anymore. Like it needs to end. We can't get out of the first round. Like we're, you know, we're, we're playing teams. Yeah, we're playing teams is not fair. We should be playing worse opponents in the first round. And I agree that the divisional playoff setup is the dumbest and unfair. <laughs> but it would be just, it would be funny if the Leafs are the one and they would have the influence, I would think, in the league to be like, let's make a change here, guys. <laughs> well, um, we'll see what happens. But uh, Florida's not going anywhere, neither are the Tampa Bay Lightning. So that 2 3, uh, that 2 3 matchup in the first round um, will be a hell of a matchup and a hell of a series. But it could end similarly for the Leafs. I mean, Let's face it, last year, Canadian division against the Habs, that was their opportunity to rid themselves of all that baggage, and they blew a 3-1 lead, and here we are. So uh, anyway, so All-Star Weekend should be fun. We'll see about um, if there's any lines for some of the competitions yeah, better. tomorrow yeah, they on better. the program. I imagine that well, they will be. There are a whole bunch of uh, off-season props right now. I mean, just the, the you know, you can bet the, to win the Stanley Cup. Jets are 50-1. to one. Uh, Hard Trophy, Connor McDavid at two to one, Ovi at four, Drysidle at six to one, uh, McDavid even money to win the Art Ross Trophy, Kale McCarr minus one twenty five to win the Norris, um, and uh, I'll tell you what, I think Roman Yossi at ten to one is some good value right now. He's right there in scoring. He's doing it all for Nashville right now. They're having a great season. Uh, that probably is one. Uh, and Igor Shesterkin, the clear leader for the Vesna right now, Remo. He's two to one for Shesterkin, four to one for Vasilevsky, six to one for Jack Campbell. I have Shesterkin in fantasy. Uh, he's been pretty good. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I guess this is the time they bring all these back midseason. I will say one thing that is fun about the All-Star game, and I'm, I remember when they would do what, the skills competition Saturday night and the game Sunday, but I guess because it's in Vegas, they got the game Saturday afternoon and Friday night. Tomorrow night is the uh, skills. Yeah, Pro Bowls on Sunday. Pro big, big All-Star weekend in Vegas. Yeah. But uh, I love doing... DraftKings for the All-Star game. Oh, it's so fun. It's pretty fun. I mean, obviously, it's like the stupidest thing, but um does give you a reason to want to watch the All-Star game, which, you know, normally has players trying, well, like 50% effort and not playing defense. It is a three-on-three, -three, and there is some fun trying to predict, like, which team is going to come out of the tournament. The three-on-three -three division tournament is, is pretty good in terms of All-Star games. Yeah, I don't mind it. I'm, I'll be more. I really want to see the 21. That, that's, that's the thing that I want to see. Mm -hmm. And the fastest skater. See how well, Connor Connor can do against uh, Ovi and uh, Ovi and Cameron I remember McCart. they had something fun for the last one. Like Al McInnes. I remember Al McInnes coming out and taking the slap shot and obviously the juiced, the juiced gun like showing like 110 miles an hour or something. <laughs> but uh, didn't they have like guys like at the top of the arena like shooting pucks into a tiny net or something? I vaguely remember this. Well, no, that was like the obstacle course where yeah. they had to like hit the like they were shooting, passing into uh into those tiny little nets. 
Yeah. And then they had to score into the nets and and some of the guys got really frustrated and you know when it wasn't happening it was like excruciating for some of these guys to try to get through what they were mm -hmm. supposed to do. So uh, they're always trying to reinvent it. Anyways, we'll talk about that more tomorrow. Kenny Weebs will join us. We'll get Hacksaw on the program. We'll maybe do a little something from the Scotties heading into the weekend with all the uh, Manitoba content for a little special Princess Auto Curling Report and more. But uh, thanks for being with us today, everybody. And a huge thanks to Rashid Bailey. What an interview he was. If you missed it, please go back and watch it. You will be better for it. Uh, great stuff from Mike McIntyre. And I always love catching up with Rob Gale, especially to talk about the best story right now in Canadian sports. And that is Canada's men's national team on the way to the World Cup. A big thank you to the sponsors that make WST happen. F Apparel, Vita Health, Culligan Water, Manitoba Battery, Royal Sports, Not Auto Corp, Little Brown Jug, Princess Auto, Boston Pizza, the Nick and Nicky DQ Group, Canadian Club Whiskey, and of course, Cool Bet Canada. Folks, thanks for being with us. Have a great night. Stay warm, and we'll be with you tomorrow to kick off the weekend and uh, fire some marbles down the chute as well tomorrow on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Oh my God! Oh! Shut it down! Let's go! Home! Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at WinnipegSportsTalk.com.